0: Listen to the legend of the space viking. All
1: gods will die. The name is Mighty Thor! Now I put your clothes back on! Flick! Flick!
0: I wish I could join you,
2: but I'd probably die and that won't help get the kids back.
1: What a classic board. that's sounds Hurrah!
0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required: An MCU Retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host Eduardo. It is great to be back. Uh, I am feeling much better. Uh, thank you, everybody, for holding it down while I was gone. And we've got a wonderful, wonderful episode for you As we've got Peaches here and we've got Chris here, gentlemen. Welcome back.
2: It's good to be back. It's good to be back hey. <laughs> <In> a snack. <laughs> I don't remember the beautiful, rest of it's, the it's a really niche reference, too. Well, it is, because it's just past Halloween, but.
3: Yeah. And the, and it's good to be bad. Oh, it's
2: bad. Yeah, I yeah, know. because it's
3: the Disney villains. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's the villain band. That's right. Yeah. I just remember that parade in chunks. Uh, Mostly, I just like listen to the the "boo to you" chorus.
3: Yeah,
0: I I honestly would just like to listen to the beginning over and over again. The the slow "boo to you."
2: Okay, that it's Uh, all good. But I gotta tell you, my hot take on that parade is that the (laughs) I'm sorry, the best section of that parade for me. Is Are you going to say Clarabelle? Is the Clarabelle the knew it. fucking
0: chicken?
1: <laughs> it's
0: so
2: fucking good. It's just,
1: I, I can't believe that they did it. It's incredible.
2: It's not that ridiculous by, like, just, I guess, theme park standards. I
3: think I've talked about it before, but I just think the funniest thing ever is when chickens cluck an actual song. Yes. Like, <laughs> like the chickens and the Muppets doing Forget You.
2: Listen, ev- Oh, yeah, that's really good. It's really easy for people to say, and I, I don't disagree with them fully that it's a really good part, but it's really easy for people, especially people that we're friends with, to say that the Haunted Mansion part is the best part of that parade. As I would say. And it is very good. I love that section, but it just can't compete with the clucking. The clucking is
3: too good. That's fair. <laughs> you know, If anything is going to give the Haunted Mansion part a run for its money. <laughs> we are talking about the Magic Kingdom's Halloween parade, for those of you who are not tuned into the exact lifestyles that we lead.
2: Yeah, not a real recommendation, but you should look that parade music up. If any, if if nothing else, you should listen to that. It's a fucking bop. Yeah, the booty you parade. Anyway, hi,
3: Eduardo. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. We missed you.
1: Well, we
0: missed you guys too. I'm really sad I didn't get to talk about Werewolf by Night.
2: Talk about it right now.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, real quick.
2: Talk I about a Michigan was, chiller too. I
0: thought it was... <laughs> <laughs> I will only talk about that on the next bonus episode. Okay, fine. Fair, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought World of Night was so good. I think stylistically, I thought it was so interesting. I thought... I wanted I found myself at the end being like, wait this is like I want more of this like I want more of Jack Russell I want more of all of these characters I want to see more man thing. I found myself like actually being like, I don't want this just to be a one special I want this to be like a true its own thing I thought its the, own the, thing. I thought it was the acting was really interesting because a lot of the choices in their performances, were in an older style, like the way that they were portraying their characters was like very, you know, 19, whatever it was, 1930s uh, time period type thing. But they're very, oh, no, we must for the vast blah. You know, like the sort of that like almost Shakespearean. It's like Castlevania. Yeah, like real like grandiose type performances but then you had some more subdued performances from us like the characters that we were like jack russell was a very subdued more like down-to-earth character and he was our viewpoint as the audience And i thought that was really interesting to have the characters around him be these sort of grand performances and have him be the like almost the grounding presence in the view of the the audience so he is the the audience Right, yeah.
3: Werewolves. We're we are, wolves.
0: <laughs> we are werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> bum 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 bum. We are werewolf by night. Uh so I thought that was really cool. I thought the whole thing was really cool. I really liked the the shift of color. I thought that was a really cool touch. Overall, I just I really really liked it. I thought it was just a fun time. Also, way more gruesome than I thought it was going to be. Right? Oh yeah. I was surprised at how
2: violent the blood it was. spattering is what got me there, too. Like, oh, wow, they did that. There so, were also a few... When you're
3: black and white, I guess you're like, let's do more blood. There yeah. were also a few shots that were just
0: really cool. Like, the uh, the one in that one hallway where the werewolf was just, like, fucking shit up. Yeah. And it just kept zooming in on him and, like, he was just, like, doing all kinds of stuff. It was very cool. Very, very, very cool. Yeah, I was a big fan. So... we, I,
2: we, we Do we have anything confirmed that those care. I mean, Mid- Midnight Suns is We not don't have confirmed. any confirmation,
3: but we have confirmation from Kevin Feige that Elsa and Jack in particular are going to be important going forward. Oh, cool. So that tells me that they are planning some kind of Midnight Suns or Legion of Monsters or something.
2: Yeah. So you'll get them. You know, and
0: like I said, this in our group chat, but I want to also bring it up here. I don't know what's happening with this renaissance of... Uh, men with Spanish accents becoming the most popular actors in Hollywood. But I'm fucking here for it. We got Dude <laughs> From Where... We got Jack Russell over here. We've got Diego Luna killing it over at Andor. We've got Pedro Pascal being the Mandalorian. And also, um, he's going to be freaking um, Joel in the Last of Us series. Yeah. Oh, he is?
2: Yeah, dude. That's cool. He's Yeah. And Have you not seen the trailer for that? I've intentionally stayed away from it. It looks... So good. Yeah. I mean, you know there are things that I am so, intentionally- So, do you know a- who's
0: playing Ellie? Mm, no. It is Leanna Mormont from Game of Thrones. Oh, no way. The little girl from Bear <laughs> Island. Yeah, it's her. So, she's Ellie, and then oh, uh, man. And, uh, Pedro Pascal is playing Joel. One
3: well. of the characters is played by the same person that played her in the video game, too. I- um,
0: um, the Oh my god, I forgot her name. But yeah, so some
2: of the... Uh, I've never actually played the game. Some Joel's like love interest? Yes. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Trish? Trish. Trish. Is her name Trish?
0: It's either that or the the love interest from Devil May Cry. I don't remember. Uh, I am picturing her
2: <laughs> vividly. I don't think that's her name, but for some reason Trish came up.
0: Either way, there are like some of the voice actors will be in there, but then I'm reprising roles. Oh, Nick Offerman is playing um, the one guy that you meet, the like, uh, what is his Bill? name? Bill.
2: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool.
0: It's going to be really good. It looks incredible. Uh, I'm really excited. But yeah, this renaissance of men with Spanish accents playing all of these roles. And what I really enjoy. Tess. Tess. That's why you said Trish. That makes sense. It was pretty close. And what I really enjoy is that you know, we've sort of moved away from the. I've said this before, but like, I didn't, I don't like love the the mark Antonio Banderas had on like the culture because like he was like a. The way that he was used, and it's not his fault, like the the, caricature
2: thing, right? right? Yeah, Yeah. the
0: the way that he was used was more of like this, like caricature of what a Hispanic man is, Mm -hmm. and so you know, it it is this like box that, and like it wasn't necessarily placed in a bad light. Like it's not bad to think that all Hispanic men are suave and and you know really (laughs) charming, yeah, right? You know what (laughs) I mean? Oh yeah, that's me, that's me for sure. But also, I don't want like everyone (laughs) to think that we are all like he was put in this box and he was kept in there. And so like it it really funneled into what like I could like relate to as a kid. Um, and so it is really awesome to see these Hispanic men in these roles. Um, and there, there's no hiding their Hispanicness. Like you, they're all very clearly Hispanic. They all very clearly, you know, it, it, there, there's no, you know, cause like you have some of these Hispanic actors that like, are they even Hispanic? You know what I mean? Like it right. just, uh, and so it is really cool to see that. I have, you know, my whole worldview is different now that I have a son and I think about like what my son will see growing up and him seeing these Hispanic actors on the screen, not being afraid. My guy over here playing Namor, or oh, yeah. which they are, oh, yeah. uh, the pronunciation is now Namor. Uh, they, uh, have, they, have, they have changed it because I think they've really like, updated uh namor's hmm. kind of backstory which we'll we'll do a black panther episode uh, wakanda forever episode forever yeah. if i can ever stop being a mess <laughs> like, I'm, I'm telling you right now by the end of that movie i'm gonna be a mess oh by I, the end. I am
3: i am certain <laughs> sure i i have high expectations for that movie and one of those expectations is that I'm probably going to cry like three times. Bro, yeah. they're going to up you guys. And by you guys, I
2: mean all of us. They're going to up us. We're in the first five minutes of the movie. We're going to be bawling oh, yeah. our eyes out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're
3: going to be so sad because of, of
2: T'Challa. And then we're going to have to recover from that while we watch the rest of the yeah. movie.
3: Yeah. Uh, did you see, um, speaking of Black Panther real quick, that Ryan Coogler briefly talked about like what his ideas, his original plan for this movie was, if... If we hadn't lost Chadwick Boseman, which was going to be him coming back and dealing with the fact that he had been gone for five years uh, because of the blip and dealing with, you know, coming back to to rule and lead his country after having been gone at its hour of need, uh, its hour of greatest need. And I think that would have been really interesting, but it looks like and you know, the early reactions and early reactions are almost always positive, but the early reactions for this have been effusive in yeah. their praise. Yep. And I think we are, we are lucky that a filmmaker of the caliber of Ryan Coogler is in charge of black Panther he because I think he was incredible. able to pivot and it seems like he's going to make something that I feel like this is going to be just as much of a cultural moment as the first black Panther. Cause the first black Panther meant so much to so many people and I know it's a controversial decision not to recast T'Challa and to actually kill him off. I think it is. I think it's the right choice. It's personally. the right
0: choice, and it is also the more impactful choice. Yeah, yeah. Because the truth was, you know, we did lose Chadwick Boseman, and that's. Yeah. I don't think that's something they should shy away from. That should some. That is something that should be. His life should be celebrated. We shouldn't just pretend like he was not there.
3: Yeah, yeah. T'Challa is an icon, but so is Chadwick Boseman, and I think that collectively a lot of people are going to be able to mourn slash celebrate his life through this film. And I think that ultimately is maybe the more meaningful decision they could have made.
2: I think that's really respectful of him to do is to decide to go a different route with the plot and not recast. Yeah. But I also feel like it's, um, gosh, I had something, I thought was meaningful, and it's my coffee has not kicked in yet. I don't know. I think it's I. Th- I just think it's um, it's respectful, and it's you know I'm I'm curious how they will say it happened, sure, or if they will say it happened. Uh, like obviously they'll say it happened, but yeah. if they even describe it, or if they just say you know, he didn't survive the blip, or this is no, some. No, my day. guess is
0: that they will. He because he comes out of. He's in Infinity. Yeah, or an he, end yeah game. he's in Endgame.
2: Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, true. I so, um, wonder if they... No, because he, my guess he is was they, at Tony Stark's funeral. They so.
0: will yeah. They will address it, I think, tastefully. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's going to
3: be I think a so recent thing when this movie begins. I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle it. Could... I don't know. Um,
2: so this is a nice way to honor his memory is yeah. to not recast. i mean and like that's i'm what not against
3: recasting in general
2: think about though the pressure that if they did the pressure that whoever that actor is yeah. would have knowing that they okay i am now t'challa and i have to live up to that
3: there's just no way yeah. yeah i think there are some recastings that people will generally accept like when they recast Rhodey or when they recast bruce banner even and uh, now you know the news has come out that Harrison Ford will be taking over the role of Thunderbolt Ross.
0: That's because they're going to introduce Red Hulk. Yeah, I there's had, no way, like there's no way you don't attach yeah. a high profile actor for a role like that if you're not going to use them. Yeah, in that regard, and that's my yeah. opinion at least. No, yeah. I
2: think you're right there. But I had a really stupid moment where I forgot that William Hurt passed away. Oh yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, Why would they need like, to why? recast him?
3: Yeah, and then. Oh, like I, that and I TikTok think it was sound. just, you know, they, <laughs> I think Ross probably played too much into their plans for what they want to do with the Thunderbolts and things like that. And, you know, it makes sense. Like, all right, well, let's keep this going. And since he's a more of a minor character, I think people are willing to accept it since you're replacing one acting legend with another acting legend, yeah. movie star, people are like, all right, yeah, let's, let's roll with it. But I feel like this would have been a difficult one. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. I also want to talk about something else before we move on to the actual movie. Uh, by the way, we are going to be talking about a movie today. If you, uh, <laughs> yeah, to if you ta- haven't read the title of this episode, <laughs> <We will laughs> if you be like talking to go about, unspoiled, <laughs> we will be talking about Thor 11 Thunder <laughs> eventually. I want to talk to you guys about another character who's now reprising his role, and that is, it's, it's out there. Everyone knows about it now. Henry Cavill
2: is coming back yeah. to play
0: Superman once again.
2: I didn't know that.
0: And, oh, wait, oh, I
2: did know that because of the Witcher news. And
0: right. James Gunn is now leading the DC Cinematic Universe. They, James oh. Gunn is now the DC Kevin Feige. Yeah,
3: he's the co-CEO. It's him, and I'm blanking the other guy's name right now. Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's why you're yeah, blanking yeah. his name. Because <laughs> James Gunn is going to be the creative lead right. for the DC.
2: It, okay, so we have hope universe. for a DC podcast is what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wait, though, but I'm kind of... Weary on that because if they uh, if they decide that the older ones are canon in James Gunn's universe, that means we're gonna have to watch them. I mean, we had to watch Thor: The Dark World here. Okay, you just named one movie.
0: There were a few that <laughs> look. They're not. It's a hundred floors of fright. They're not all gonna be winners. All right. <laughs> Part of it, uh, you know. It's there will be some that aren't good. I am very excited because I really enjoy Henry Cavill as an actor. He has been incredible in The Witcher, and the reason he has been so good is because he really loves the character. Mm-hmm. He really loves what he is doing there. And it seems like he really does love playing Superman. Yeah. And he wants it he wants a good Superman movie so bad.
3: Yeah, I think they have botched the execution of Superman so far in this iteration of the DC films, but they did not botch the casting and I was really hopeful that he could come back because even even if we accept either Justice League, it leaves him in a good place for the character going forward, I think. As much as I didn't care for Man of Steel, don't really like Batman versus Superman, I still haven't watched the Snyder cut of Justice League. I've seen I've seen Justice League and you know (laughs) but uh that's the first time i've heard it called that i think um the justice league but i like henry cavill as superman it's like man it's just you know we don't need to deconstruct superman like we need a good superman more than ever you know and yeah and it feels like it's like the right time
0: for it because like superman has been out of style for a little while because we we went through a few years where we wanted and by we, I'm meaning like the collective public yeah, yeah. wanted the royal we. wanted like more edgy, you know, badass superheroes, ones that you know, you know, are gonna you know. This be, feels gritty well, and realistic, right? Well, we had that age where they were they were all really violent, right? It was all like violence dark and like
3: yeah, like and really like gritty. Dark, dark. We to make everyone like Batman,
0: and then it was the the Marvel the Marvel age of like really witty, sarcastic Iron Man. Take Iron Man for example, but. Co star to Iron Man during that time was Captain America. Yep. And a lot of the same values, a lot of that core of that Captain America that we saw on screen is very similar to what we normally see with Superman. This sort of like lawful, good character that, that you know, sort of just has the best intentions and yeah. really just wants to be a good person. Like, to me, that seems really interesting to watch right now because I feel like I am at nauseam with gritty, dark, you know, uh complicated characters with these you know uh, very awful backstories
2: and you know what i mean like that's why i like this movie that we're going to talk about today yeah. that's like part of why i like it is because it's so ridiculous with it's you know how like genre combinations like we've seen certain genre combinations that you don't think would work out but they are like horror comedy Horror comedy is something you hear about if you've never seen that combo before. You're like, why would I want to laugh while I'm being scared? Mm. But it just works really well. Yeah. And I feel like this is like sad and ridiculous combined. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that also works. Well, because we'll, we'll talk about the movie. You know what? Let's just save that because I, I've got
0: more to talk about with that. Yeah. And I think Taika Waititi, people have given him like a lot of slack uh, recently as of late and- some of it is maybe warranted, but I think a lot of it is really unfounded. Yeah. Um, and something I, th- I want to talk about, too, for sure. So we'll, we'll, get,
2: yeah, into we'll get into that. Elaborate on that, because I don't pay attention to that sort of thing pretty often.
3: We'll bring it up in the in that's the That's what I mean. Yeah, we're, I we're definitely yeah, going to yeah. talk about it in the pod. Yeah, that's in, what I mean, not now.
0: Uh, but yeah, uh, really excited to see what DC's doing. Um, I, uh, also, um, another thing, there's been a Green Lantern series in the works for a while over at... Um, Uh, HBO Max Um, and they have now shifted it's not going to come out anytime soon because they've shifted the entire premise of the show so the entire premise of the show originally was going to be a co-starred show about Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner so two of the not lesser yeah you would call them lesser known Green Lanterns. probably the third and fourth ranked Green Lanterns, right right? (laughs) yes Um, and it is now going to be a show centered around Jon Stewart who is the Probably second? the second okay. most popular uh, Green Lantern, right before, um, right uh, after Hal.
2: Hal Jordan. Yes, that's pretty cool.
0: So we're gonna get a John Stewart one, which I think is a really great one. I'm yeah. kind of bummed we didn't get Kyle Rayner. I thought Kyle, I think Kyle Rayner's a really cool Green Lantern because he. Um, before he was a Green Lantern, he was an architect. So a lot of the constructs he makes with his mind are really interesting and elaborate. And so that's that was one of the things that made him a really cool Green Lantern was that like the, what he could do uh, mm. with his mind um, made him really interesting. Um, Listen,
2: but, if 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 any of those movies are a fraction of what the Suicide Squad was, they will be enjoyable to watch.
0: So that's something that I find really interesting, and I don't know if. We're going to get that. James Gunn has been a great mind for the types, for James Gunn type movies, right? Guardians. Guardians, Suicide Squad. I'm not familiar with a lot of his work before, um, but from what we have seen since, it feels like it's all in his style. Is he going to be able to do, or like, does he have the right mind to have... The other styles that are going to be needed because you're not going to do a Suicide Squad Guardian style Superman movie, for example. No, probably not.
3: My my gut is that James Gunn is smart enough to know that not every movie that DC puts out needs to be a James Gunn movie. Yeah. I think that he has the proper respect and reverence for the characters in the comics. Uh, I mean, I know. I mean, I still haven't watched Peacemaker, but I know that like he threw in a lot of references to weird and obscure characters peacemakers so good (laughs) yeah but um so i think he has a lot of respect for the comic world but we've also seen in his adaptations with uh like the guardians movies he's willing to make changes for the uh, sake of the story but i think he also as someone who has played in the larger marvel universe before he understands and knows that you know every movie is going to have its own needs and i think He strikes me as the kind of person who's going to be a great collaborator and someone who's going to be able to say, hey, I want you to come in and make your kind of movie. I'm here to help kind of guide the whole thing, but for a Superman movie, this is what we want. For a Batman movie, this is what we want. If we're putting these two characters together, then we want this kind of different thing. What director Um, do uh, you
2: want for Superman? That's a
3: good question. (sighs) James
0: Cameron's
2: Superman. (laughs) Get out of my apartment. (laughs) Superman flying
3: through Metropolis. See, if I go! <laughs> oh my God. Uh
2: And then I can... Uh, Honestly, speaking
3: uh, of, you know who I
0: think would do a great
2: job fly. with a, the Superman
0: movie? Uh, Ryan Coogler. I think Ryan Coogler directing a Superman movie mm. would be
3: crazy good. Mm. Well, there was that talk that ta Coates was uh, writing a script about a black Superman. Yep. Uh, with uh, Michael B. Jordan to to star, that would be cool. Should be interesting. Hmm. It sounded like that was maybe going to be like an Elseworlds kind of thing, like its own thing, kind of like Joker. His own thing. Yeah. <laughs> we've had so many David Pumpkins references. <laughs>
2: <No>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, let's get to the meat and potatoes of the episode today. We're talking all about meat and Thor, potatoes, love um. and for th- <laughs> <laughs> love and thunder. <laughs> Written by Taika Waititi and Jennifer Caitlin Robinson, and directed by Taika Waititi himself. Uh, we got the summary from the moviespoiler.com and it's written by Jeremy. So thank you, Jeremy, whoever you are. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell a story before we start this, uh, but I'm going to read the first line first. So the film opens with a man named Gore, played by Christian Bale, walking through an arid wasteland with his ailing daughter, played by India Hemsworth. Gore carries the girl until she passes away in his arms. For those of you that don't know, the little daughter of, of Gore in this is played by Chris Hemsworth's own daughter, India. Later, he comes across a paradise with food and water belonging to the god Rapu, played by Johnny Berg. Gore is the last of Rapu's disciples, and he begs the god for help. Rapu coldly shuns Gore, and Gore renounces him. Gore is then called upon by the Necrosword, a weapon that can kill gods and was just taken from another being that tried to kill the gods. Gore accepts the Necrosword's call and slays Rapu. He then vows to kill every last god. I need to tell this story because I walked into this movie right at that line. When I watched it the first time. right? it. Are you I, I have a vow to kill God because my wife decided that she wanted to get Starbucks before the movie. And when we got there, they were so slammed that her mobile order took 25 minutes. Oh, no.
2: Ooh. That happened to me once at an airport, and I was very afraid I was going to miss my flight. But, so you didn't see the daughter die? No, I didn't see any of this beginning of this movie. You and didn't so, the see... ending must have been so
0: weird for you. And so when I saw the... <laughs> The be- the ending was weird. And then when I saw the beginning of this movie, like, you know, when I rewatched it, because I've rewatched it uh, before this as well. Uh, I was like, damn, this is dark. Like, I don't remember this at all.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah, Because he, for a minute, he's like a very devout uh, yeah. like servant of that makes, God.
0: It makes so much sense and, why he's so pissed. And, wow. Yeah.
2: And that guy just like totally belittles him. And now nah, there'll be more people after you. Like, go ahead and die.
3: Do you know what I think really works about this scene? Mm -hmm. And this is a prelude to the conversation we'll be having later about Taika Waititi in general. But a a criticism a lot of people have about this movie and Ragnarok as well is that it's too jokey. I think this scene really works because you have Gore, who is a very serious and tragic character, who's just gone through a horrible thing, meeting a typically flippant, sarcastic Taika Waititi-type character in Rapu. And I think that contrast works really, really well. Mm-hmm. I think that's very well done. Watching this time, it's like, Wow, okay, I'm seeing the typical, the stereotypical taika influence in this, but like the gore stuff is played so seriously and then it you know, that makes it almost jarring when he decapitates Rapu and is like, I vow to destroy all the gods, you know. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really clever juxtaposition in that scene. I like that a lot.
0: Also, we got it. I'm gonna talk about it now uh, because well. he's so fucking good. Uh, Christian Bale, even from the beginning of oh, this, yeah. is so unbelievable in this. He's so oh, good yeah. and like. He is not someone who you would normally think would be cast in a Taika Waititi movie, right? Because yeah. he does or even not a Marvel movie. You imagine being like, "Hey, uh, Christian Bale, we want you to talk about orgies for a little while." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, uh, I don't think that'd go over very well. And so it was. It's really cool to see Christian Bale and sort of him. Really embracing the score role along all of the other
3: nonsense that's going on in a Taika Waititi film. Something that I think we found is that a lot of actors. I think Taika Waititi has a very good reputation among actors. There are a lot of actors who are like, I want to do a movie with him, like it, because it seems like it's a very different vibe on set than a lot of other movies. And I think it's something that they kind of want to challenge themselves with, because that that's why Natalie Portman came back. Uh, that's how they got Kate Blanchett. in in the last movie, uh, in Ragnarok, because she was like, I want to do a movie with him. And Hmm. I think think a lot of people want to work with him because it's a different kind of experience for an actor. And I think that's something that intrigues a lot of them. Uh, Yeah, Christian Bale is
0: very good. Even from this first delivery of, this is my vow, I will kill all the gods. uh, It's so striking. He's so terrifying in this movie at times. He's terr oh, yeah. he is both terrifying and sad and tragic and you you feel for him even though he's doing all of these evil things, killing these gods, which you know, you could argue about the evilness of what he's actually doing cuz you know, if all the gods are like the way that this guy is, I mean, based know, on
2: the scene that we see later of how like careless they are and how Mm -hmm. they're they're living a life of luxury and it seems like they're ignoring their responsibilities and omnipotent city it i mean i know you recommended it last week and thor and uh god of war ragnarok comes out next week but this has a very kratos vibe like gore is kratos yeah gore is a a somehow like Well, I don't even know if he's more or less evil or more or less tragic. He's basically just Kratos. Kratos, He he said, you guys aren't doing your job. I've spent my life devoted to you and you let everyone and my daughter die. And now you're out here having a party. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you're out here having a party in the desert, eating fruit while I'm starving. Like, fuck you. Like, you don't deserve this. You know,
0: there's a really cool scene later on where um, when I first watched it, it is uh, a scene where all the kids are in that cage and then Gore like talks to them oh, for a while. Yes. Yeah. that scene's so great because when I first watched it, I was like, he's trying to scare these kids. And then I, when I rewatched it and then when I watch it, said, so I was
3: like, no, he's trying to connect with these kids. Like mm-hmm. he actually like you missed the most important part uh, context for that scene by missing the first scene. Yes, because I, I'm just going to say it now. When he's like, I knew a little girl like you, and he starts, you know, she was kind, she was loving, and then when he says, she loved to draw, that, like, kills me. That is such a sad thing to say. Like, oh my God, like, that makes you sympathize with him all over again, even yeah. after the stuff he's done. What a great, that is my favorite scene in the movie. It's maybe, well, so Maybe good. second.
0: It's so, so, so good. And his just presence in this movie really helps... For me personally, I know some people think this movie goes too off the rails. I think Gore's performance really keeps it uh, from going too far off the rails and kind of keeps it in the correct path and kind of lets it strike that balance a little better. If anything... I wish there was more gore in this yeah, movie. Lem- I'm gonna, oh, well, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to...
2: No, I'm not going to talk about it later because you You literally started talking about gore and then you started talking about the scene that I was going to bring this point up. So I'm just going to go... for it. ...from the middle of the movie now. That scene is the scene that I decided where he's talking to the kids in the cage. That's the scene where I decided this movie does not have enough gore. And I mean the character, not blood. Um, I... He like everything you said just resonates with me so well. Christian Bale plays the character really well. He's a good juxtaposition to the other mood of the movie. Yep. But like I was I was looking at this uh specifically so that I knew this movie is almost on the dot two hours. Yeah. If you include credits. And I at this point, I I think maybe Bailey will disagree with me because she has to go to the bathroom every two and a half seconds. But I don't think there's anything wrong with the two and a half hour Mar- Marvel. <laughs> Bailey movie. Bailey
0: just catching strays. I just, know, like sitting at home. <laughs> I know.
2: Well, she listens to all the podcasts. I, I so. brought
0: up that Starbucks story.
2: You're over here I talking know. about
0: how often she uses the you bathroom. Have to, you
2: have to come up with a Bailey uh, slight, I guess. Um, it. it's not really a slight. It's just that I I know she is in our group chat. She is one of the per- one of the people that like will bring up the length of a movie, and she'll like it seems like the longer a movie is, the less inclined she is to see it most of the time. Would you say that's true? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's not like me bashing on her. That just is what that's it is. It's not
0: necessarily less inclined to see it, but like,
2: yeah. As- it might be a factor sure. for her. It could be. I don't know. But the point is, I don't, I don't think most people are going to shy away from a Marvel movie unless it's going to venture into the like three and a half. You know what mm. I mean? Like we all saw Endgame, it was three hours. We all saw yeah. Infinity War, it was almost three hours. Like, I'm not saying this is the equivalent of an end game or an Infinity War, but if you give me 15 more minutes of movie, 10 more minutes of movie, whatever, mm-hmm. and I get five, 10 more minutes with gore, five more minutes, because my point about gore also extends to the other secondary characters. Valkyrie is a big there, one for me. There needs to be more gore. There needs to be more Valkyrie. And if you're going to basically every scene, not really, but almost every scene in the trailer that the Guardians were in is the same amount of scenes of them in the movie. Yep. That's not uh, that's not one-to-one. I know it's not 100%, but what did they add to the movie? Almost nothing. If you're going to put them in the movie, put
3: them in the fucking movie.
2: That's my nitpick about I'll, this. I'll
3: disagree with you there. I think it makes sense that the Guardians leave as soon as they did. I would love a special down the line where we can see a, a, an actual Thor Guardians team up at some point.
0: As
2: Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah,
3: exactly. Like an as Guardians of the Galaxy, one hour special would be a lot of fun. I'm not saying
2: that the small amount of lines they had wasn't fun. It just was like, I don't really understand their point in the movie other than, because this is what happens. You you're, you know, you talk about this this thing where sometimes we have to fill in the gaps with our own shit. And it's like, at the end of Endgame, they all go off together. And then at the beginning of this movie, they break up. Like, we barely see what adventures they went on. We barely see it. And we
3: don't... I I don't think we need that for this movie, though, because this movie, to its credit and maybe to its detriment, is laser-focused on Thor and Jane. No, I agree. And I, the Guardians would not have added anything to that story. Here's my That being said, I think that they should have done more gore and more Valkyrie stuff as well.
2: Yes, that is my proposal. More gore, more Valkyrie. Just frankly take Guardians out. Take them out of the movie. Take their screen time away so that I get more gore and Valkyrie time.
0: I agree with gore, and I'm going to be different here and say I disagree with Valkyrie. I think I like... Valkyrie, I think Tessa Thompson plays it really well. Uh that being said, I don't think it would have I don't think a Valkyrie story here would have added anything to what this movie was trying to be, and I think we got enough Valkyrie of like what we needed in this movie. Like I I'm not going to say no to more Valkyrie because I think I like the character, yeah. but I don't think in this movie specifically I needed any more of her because I don't think there was like I don't think there was anything... Like, she didn't have a storyline of her own. She was a complimentary character, similar to Korg. I
2: guess that's confusing for me, though, because the trailer very much made it seem like she would. Uh, her Angela was talking to Chris and I about this the last time we were at Horror Nights, I think, um, that in interviews with her and in the trailer, it seemed like there was a lot more going on with her character in the yeah. movie that was maybe cut
3: At Comic Con, when they announced the cast for Love and Thunder the first time, Kevin Feige introduced Tessa Thompson by saying that you know the you know Asgard has its king and now she's looking for her queen. Like that was going to be another aspect of the love side of the story is that you know we were going to actually see her adjusting to being the king of Asgard and all of that, and then that just kind of got shunted to the side. Maybe it wouldn't have added anything to the movie. Maybe I would love to see it in its own movie. <laughs> well, I remember <laughs> oh, no.
2: Angela saying too, I don't think you're going to bring this up because I didn't see it in the notes, but Angela was saying too that in some interview with Tessa Thompson, they asked her like how gay the movie is and her response was like, it's super gay.
0: It, was, it wasn't Tessa Thompson. It was Natalie Portman. And, oh, was it? Yeah, uh, okay. and it was very... She was like on stage and she was just like so gay like it wasn't i don't i think the way that she said it was not her saying that it was going to be super it was just her like it was a silly question and she gave it a silly answer
2: got it okay well that kind of changes my thought then but i do i did wonder if like the gay community felt like this was a a representative movie because they have a couple lines here and there about like you know it's it's certainly
3: less than expected from How they played it up, you know, from the very beginning. Sure. I think.
2: Yeah.
0: I think there was a lot of fan casting and wanting. There was a lot of people that wanted a Tessa, like a Valkyrie Jane Foster thing to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of want for that. that. And I think it was more of a public manifestation than a this is what we are doing. And I think that manifestation never came out of anything like clearly we had we ended up with a story about jane and thor and not jane and valkyrie and i think some people may may have been disappointed by that but i don't think it was i don't think it was a ever marketed as we are going to get the love of jane and 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 valkyrie well
3: even taking jane out of though the whole she's looking for her queen thing that implies especially after fair they very much very deliberately cut out any inclination or any intimation in ragnarok that valkyrie has feelings for women like that was a part of her story that was literally cut from ragnarok mm. and it's a big part of her backstory is that you know the the fellow valkyrie that she sees die in that flashback sequence that's her uh you know that's her partner and they talk about it a little bit in this but when they're yeah, like or oh. like
2: taunts her about it
3: yeah like when when they cut that out and then they're like oh no we're going to deal with the next movie and then it's just a few lines of dialogue where they deal with it i can see how you're like ah, you made it sound like it was going to be more uh, you know disney with star wars and marvel they're really up and down when it comes to the representation on this yeah uh they're doing better on disney plus honestly than they are in some of the movies uh i mean eternals you know actually had some you know solid representation in there Andor is doing a really good job as far as Star Wars goes, um, but yeah, Marvel's kind of all over the place sometimes it feels like, and I don't know, and I don't know if it's just stuff got cut. Who knows? Uh, what would it have added to the movie? I don't know. We, we we it's hard to you know theorize about you know what was cut. Again, it seems like, because Taika was very vocal about how, oh, there is no director's cut, that you're seeing the director's cut. This is what I wanted out there. Mm. But there's a lot of conspiracy theorizing out there that there was a mandate from up above, eh, try to keep it around two hours.
2: Yeah, I just don't think that's necessary. Yeah. All these thoughts withstanding, I think, if I had to pick one, I want more gore. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Give I, me I, so much more I think more that's gore. the biggest, yeah. th-
3: where, where the film suffers the most, is yeah. that... A little bit more of setting up gore as a threat and us getting into his head a little bit more, I think, would have elevated the film that much. Yeah. So
0: Korg then tells a group of Asgardian children the legend of Thor. He was raised in battle and became a legendary hero, saving the world many times, also losing many people close to him, like his mother, Frigga, and of course, Loki. He then has a relationship with Jane Fonda, Jane Foster. (laughs) And since his last adventure, Thor has gotten back into shape and has been on many adventures with the Guardians of the Galaxy. You've got Star-Lord, Drax, Mantis, Nebula, Rocket, Groot. Korg notes that Thor is hiding a lot of emotional pain behind his rough exterior as he still misses the love of his life, Jane Foster. Thor and the Guardians arrive at a planet overrun by bird-like invaders. Thor wields Stormbreaker and flies into battle with the Guardians doing some shooting and heavy lifting as well. After Thor wrecks all the invaders and their ships, the King of the Land gives Thor and the Guardians with two giant screaming goats. I think the goats are an interesting point to talk about because it kind of encapsulates some of the feelings people have about this movie. Yeah.
2: I knew you were trouble when you
0: wanted <laughs> Uh So there are these goats in this movie. I'm sure everybody who's listening to this has seen this movie, but on the off chance you haven't, there are these goats in this movie. They show up periodically, and they do the goat yell. <laughs> that was
2: awful. I, I, I can't it. do a goat scream. <laughs> you do a goat scream. <laughs>
3: that was a mistake. He just
2: hurt himself. Now it's your turn. <laughs> okay, fine. Yours is better. Fine, fine mine was bad Uh, mine was the worst of the three uh
0: i do think this particular bit overstays its welcome
2: i i actually do agree you're having a technical difficulty uh take take it
0: over peaches please
2: please stand by (laughs) uh yeah so eduardo's microphone is falling um I think what he's going to say, because I agree with this, is maybe this goat bit is just a bit overdone. I think the point of those goats is that they are screaming goats, so making them scream on screen thematically for the goats makes sense, but I think we make that joke maybe two-ish more times than is necessary. Uh, They really, really lay into it, and it's funny because... A Screaming Goat is inherently funny. Also, I think it's funny because it reminds me of the Screaming Goat YouTube stuff. Like, yeah. I just I just immediately thought of that Taylor Swift song. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: There's a Screaming Goat in the Muppets Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Which we talked about in our last... Well, I
2: say yeah, but I still haven't watched it. Uh, but no, I'm agreeing I agree. with you, and I believe you. I, yeah, I think maybe that joke gets a little old, but it's, it is funny at first. Um, well, and I think it is... Lots of people
0: have a problem with the humor in this movie. I think lots of people have a problem with Taika Waititi and the humor and sort of the humorization of Thor. We talked about this a little bit in Thor Ragnarok, and it has not slowed down any, 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 any bit. It is still Thor's character is now a more humorous one. Some people seem to really want Thor to be a very serious, more Shakespearean type, type character. Personally, I think that'd be really boring. Yeah, I think if you look at Thor and who he is, he's this like Asgardian god who is clearly one of the most powerful beings in the universe. He can do all of these amazing things. If he was also really intelligent and really well-spoken and all of these other things, he he'd have no flaw he he wouldn't be an interesting character in that regard. It'd be very one dimensional. He'd be very one dimensional. Yeah. I find it so much more interesting that he has all of these tools and no ability to figure out how to use them. Uh like I find that journey much, much more interesting.
3: Yeah. I I really like and we get a bit of this in this movie about how his time on Earth has really affected him as well. And I think that's evident in his character now and him being sort of a mix like you know he has his highfalutin shakespearean speeches every once in a while but then he has his you know i'm jealous of that hammer stuff going on too. <laughs> well,
2: uh, that bit does not get old. I, by the I, way. I love that.
3: Some people really hate
2: that. I thought that uh, shit was some hilarious. Some disagree on that Every one. Some, some time people really, the hammer, really, hate it. Every time Stormbreaker, Stormbreaker would like show up, at, excuse me?
3: Like- <laughs> the X just slowly sliding <laughs> into frame. That's, that's, that's comedy, comedy, baby. comedy
0: gold. That is peak humor. <laughs> it, I've also heard people be like uh, talk about how because Korg begins and ends this narrating this isn't an actual factual account of what happened it is an account based off of Korg like Korg is still telling the story so all of the more ridiculous things that have happened in are just, it Korg are just Korg being Korg like you know really I, playing up I choose stuff. to believe
3: that this is exactly how it happened <laughs> yeah I
2: like both versions but I like jealous stormbreaker the best but to tack on to what you're saying about people's like thought on how Thor should be I don't know, man. Like in in real life, it is we we find out a lot of times, and this is maybe a little dark, but some of the funniest people that you know are also really sad. Like you think about Robin Williams's life. Yeah. Robin Williams was a legendary comedian. We don't really. There's not much to discuss about that. It's all, just all true. The,
3: all the good comedians are not there. And and he, I mean, we
2: know how his life ended. He he was also really hurting. He was really he was very depressed and you think about we've talked about this on every single episode that has thor in it that guy fucking goes through it i mean they mention it in this movie too everybody that he cares about at some point has died like he loses so much some of them a few times and right and (laughs) you think that like he is constantly grieving so if we follow this kind of maybe universal truth that some of the funniest people are also people that are hurting the most it kind of stands to reason that he would depart from this shakespearean uh very serious and kind of you know use humor as a coping mechanism
3: i mean we see that in his uh his last conversation with star lord you know he's he's putting up this mask because he's hurting so much was like i'll give you the ship you take good care of my crew and it's not maybe him using humor so much as him using the false bravado that he has as Thor, the God of Thunder, the Mighty Avenger. Uh, but it's the same, you know, same concept, and that's humorous to us, right? You know, as the audience.
0: Well, that's the thing I was going to talk about, and so I can talk about it here. But this movie does a really good job of balancing tragedy and humor, and you know, it 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 is a stylistic choice by Taika Waititi. And I think it re- it's really effective because th- that is how some people grieve. Some people grieve through humor. Sometimes, you know, when things are really tragic or really, really awful in your life, the only thing you can do to try to kind of cope with that is through humor. And so I think it's a really interesting balance that they've struck here because this movie is
2: dripping with tragedy. Bro, why do you think I'm so funny? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> damn damn it's tragic that you think that <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: just, wow damn, <laughs> damn. <laughs> tragedy and humor baby <laughs> uh, uh i'm crying on the inside but i'm mel, laughing on the
3: outside mel brooks i think said that uh tragedy is when i get a paper cut comedy is when you fall down an open manhole and die <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> damn no, I think the juxtaposition works well, and I think they're more related than people understand at surface value. And I think that might be a blessing for those people. I, I I almost think that if you don't think those things go together, maybe you're not going through it. And I'm happy for you if that's the case. I mean, you might just have a different coping me- mechanism. You might be going through it, and humor is not the way you try to band-aid the situation. Yeah. But... I mean, if if the former is the case, then good for you. I'm glad that you're <laughs> doing well out there. Um, but yeah, they're they're more closely related.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think the I personally still a big fan of Taika Waititi. I think this movie, as far as the directing goes, uh, was pretty successful,
3: and I don't think that I have like an issue w- in that regard. It's interesting that this movie came out and. Here's something shocking for you. This is on Rotten Tomatoes, for whatever that's worth, is the second lowest rated Marvel movie.
0: That's what? insane to me. Below, above Dark Above World? Eternals. Oh. Below
3: Dark World. That which doesn't is, make any I'm sense. I'm sorry, that's insanity. Um uh, <laughs> Wait, which which Rotten Tomatoes score? The critics. What? Yes. Lower critical rating than Thor the Dark World by like two percent. And again, the You rotten, just broke me. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes is obviously an imperfect system can we stop using that
2: i don't mean we as in the three of us i mean we like
3: as a society as a society yes. can we stop using that as a benchmark i like it when a movie gets bad reviews and then they're like audiences agree Black like Adam. uh you know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but yeah it's crazy to me that honestly it's crazy to me that eternals was only 30 percent on rotten, rotten Tomatoes, too. Yeah, it right? wasn't that bad. Yeah. Oh, and granted, wow, you, we have to remember that the percentage is the percentage of good reviews, not like an average, oh, yeah, this, yeah. this movie people think is about, oh, 60% And what do they whatever. consider,
2: again, a good review? It's whatever the critic marks it. Oh, as in, like, good, bad. They like, su- literally the word they good. They
3: submit it, and you decide whether your movie is fresh, or you decide whether your review is fresh or rotten. Oh, and it's a binary
2: choice. And okay. I
3: think what happened, because this is how I felt when I left the movie the first time too, and I guess I'll go ahead and talk about this now. I thought it was a good movie that still disappointed me, mm. because I was expecting it to be great and it ended up being good. And, you know, there are worse crimes a movie can commit than to be good instead of great, you know? yeah. Uh, I, for me, Ragnarok is one of the best superhero movies of all time. But it's like this movie came out and, like, everyone decided that suddenly they were all over Taika Waititi in general. Yeah. After he was, like, Hollywood's darling. This is, like, I mean, mere, that's, mere... That,
0: that happens every week. That a new Hollywood darling has decided... People have decided yeah. her, Is now the
3: Hollywood hate. And what's crazy to me is that like this cool. movie came out, like, right after the HBO Max series Our Flag Means Death, which got glowing reviews and is very much a Taika Waititi uh, production. He stars in it as Blackbeard. He's, like, the secondary lead in the show. Um, and everyone loves that show. And it is has all the hallmarks of a Taika Waititi production. And then Thor comes out, and everyone decides, I don't like this anymore. Uh, Taika bad. <laughs> it's, like, weirdly, everyone just decided, ah, not, like, I saw so many comments, like, oh, now you all understand why I never liked Taiko Waititi.
2: Yeah. Do you guys think this is just like a hipster thing? Is this like a, I can't like him anymore because he's popular?
3: Yeah, hipsters used to love Taika Waititi. He hit it big with Ragnarok. Everyone's like, ah, finally, a I, good Marvel movie. I, well, I believe Ragnarok is the best-reviewed MCU movie, or at least it was at some point.
2: I don't think I've ever fully felt that hipster vibe about anything where like, Oh, this is really popular. I can't like it. Like it's too mainstream for me. I don't think stereotypically I've ever felt that way about something, but I just, as I've gotten older, I understand that less and less. I don't yeah. understand why the popularity of something would cause you to dislike it because you always have the option of ignoring it. If you dislike it and it's popular. And if you like a popular thing, you are hey look other people like this thing too wow you have something in common like I immediately think of vanilla and chocolate ice cream I know this is a strange but if you tell someone your favorite ice cream is just vanilla or just chocolate odds are someone's gonna pop out of a bush to tell you how stupid it is to like a and they use this this is used in English as a as a phrase your views are so vanilla do you know why vanilla is popular because it's fucking good yeah it's popular because it is a well liked, universally flavor. You know, wars were fought over flavors and spices? Yeah, vanilla being one of the big ones. Right. Like, <laughs> it's good because it's good. So you don't have to be a hater,
3: just, oh, you're, it's so vanilla. Yeah, like, what Britain you mean it's widely so liked and spices, accepted? Like, that, that they'd never use. You I, guys are going in a really interesting direction. Listen,
2: <laughs> uh, I, got, I, I decided one day to get on a soapbox about this vanilla thing because I think it's so stupid to call something vanilla as an insult wow you're so vanilla you mean i'm i'm popular and widely liked and and yeah uh, like people fought a war over me like oh okay cool thank you no
3: i mean it as an insult fuck you yeah. vanilla's great La- last <laughs> night was the first time i watched this movie since theaters we, I, we saw it one time in theaters and then i haven't watched it since because like oh well, i'm gonna be watch it for the podcast and i went into it having you know had my initial reaction which was oh that movie was good but it wasn't as good as i wanted it to be but it was still good and then hearing people talk about, oh, oh, it's, you know, too many jokes and all that. So I went in going, I wonder, like, if I watch this, am I going to think this movie is too many jokes and doesn't take anything seriously? And that is not how I felt after watching it. I thought that there were, you know, again, my biggest issue was I wanted 25 more minutes and I wanted a lot of that to be devoted to Gore the God Butcher. Uh, that, that was my complaint about the movie. But other than that, you know, I think there are a lot of scenes like the one we already talked about with uh, the, the opening scene. Uh, gore with the kids, uh, Jane and Thor's conversation on the boat as they're heading to the Shadow Realm. Uh, you know there were a lot of really good, serious scenes. So I don't think that the movie got drowned in jokes. No. Anyway, we're five minutes into the movie. Uh, let's keep going.
1: Wait, uh, you want to add something? Though. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: First, I'm going to play a
0: little bit of Devil's Advocate with the Taika Waititi thing, and just say. That I do think that it is I don't think it's necessarily a hipster thing Of people thinking he's too popular I think just Comedy is subjective and comedy Evolves and I think there Are some younger generations that Don't find the humor that we Find funny funny and I think That their voices are being Heard more and more and I think you know we just There's just like a difference there in like What we enjoy and what like the Masses enjoy versus like what you know like Think about when we were you know Teenagers, or like you know, in middle school or like early teenagers high school, scare the
2: living shit out of me. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> think about like it. Just <laughs> sorry, it well, I mean, what do you know for sure? What audience, like demographics specifically, is like, ah, this is this is the
3: wrong type of funny the thing is that it was movie critics, though. A lot of the same people who liked Ragnarok were like, yeah, this one wasn't good. Oh.
0: I mean, those people are stupid and i think that that's part of the problem is that like we're so fickle as a society of like oh uh, we've already moved on from this um you know you could say that some of it is that a lot of what made and i i'm going to disagree with chris when he thinks when he says that he thinks that uh not that him thinking that but i don't agree that Ragnarok is one of the better superhero films i think it, i still enjoy it and i still watch it but i don't think it's like i think a lot of that luster of the the interesting direction that Thor was taken and that um, the humor that was used in that movie was a like, it was almost like a surprise like, oh wow, this movie is like funny and it's like different in like a different way. And I don't think this movie has the same effect because it's not the first one to do that. Uh, I, you know, I would be really interested to see a world where this movie was made before thor ragnarok and see what the critical reception would be then because i have a feeling the critical reception would be a lot higher uh because it was the first movie to kind of head into this direction
2: maybe people think we've already seen this flavor yeah
3: i think that's part of it and yeah and i think part of it is that it wasn't as good as ragnarok and a lot of people translated in that brain to this movie was bad
0: yeah, I, and that's another problem is that people like yeah. people live in this sort of binary world now where thing is a thing is either the best thing I've ever th- seen or this thing is shit. Like I hate, and I'm going on a soapbox now. I hate when people say something is shit. We don't do like, that here. This is this is shit. Like this, uh, the the this this movie is dog shit. Like they, they like something that they don't like is immediately not better than dirt. Like p- people will look at like graphics on a video game and be like, this is PS2 graphics, bro. Do you remember the PS2? You I said that about She-Hulk, too. I guarantee you this is not PS2 graphics. Go back and play a PS2 game, and I promise you it will look nothing like this because PS2 looked like dog butt. Like, you have no idea. <laughs>
2: Nostalgia's flying real yeah. high yeah, for you right crazy. now. It's
0: crazy. Like, people have these, like, rose-colored glasses for things that they've done in the past they don't fully remember, and, like, they this, go back. This
2: all-or-nothing like, attitude you're describing is it affects much more than just movies too. Oh yeah it's, for sure. It's movies, it's games, it's dating apps. It's that's part of the problem with dating apps. It's politics. It, it's, <laughs> it's politics yeah. is that like you've got a thousand choices. That is a low ball, right? You've got a thousand choices on a dating app. So everybody is either the perfect partner or dog shit. Yeah. And because I am only looking for the perfect partner, everyone else is dog shit. Yep. There's one perfect partner out of a thousand Dog shit nine hundred and ninety nine. Yeah, that's just the mentality of so many things. I, I mean, obviously, it's more nuanced than that. Like, and I don't think we, well, uh, I don't think we do that. I don't think I think the, try not. I to. think the
0: problem is that it is not more nuanced. Like, I think what they, what the world needs is maybe a little bit more nuanced. maybe a little bit more. There needs to be a little bit more gray. There needs to be a little bit more. Oh, this is
2: no. When I say it's more nuanced, I mean for people that ha- that use their brain, it is more sure, nuanced. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For people that are just like good, bad, meh. like,
0: and yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's just really annoying because it, it's it's this like, and we've talked about this before, but it's this like weird vocal minority on the internet that it's needs to one. needs to spout out. They're super super like binary hate uh whenever something is is bad, and it is just so annoying. I don't think this movie deserved nearly the amount of hate that it got like I think this movie was actually a decent I had a fun time yeah I, and had fun I think too. that is about as much as I can ask of a movie right now
2: bro I went on a date uh to see this movie, and this movie obviously centers around like Thor and Jane's. Failed and then try again. Love relationship and like it was still fun. Like yeah. it was, I it was a good, good yeah. time. We both had a good time. We laughed a lot. Like you know, I I think this movie's fun, and I just don't. I mean, we obviously as a hobby review a shit ton of Marvel movies, so maybe we have a better brain to like say that something is in between godly and shit. But I. <laughs> so maybe i'm having a hard time understanding how people can just do that but maybe i'm not having a hard time because i know how often it happens
0: yeah so maybe moral of the story people just need to learn to have fun okay mm-hmm. all right yeah, so back that. on earth jane has uh been diagnosed with stage four <laughs> cancer
1: <laughs> what? what a segue <laughs> oh man help help <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> While undergoing chemo She is supported <laughs> by Darcy <laughs> Lewis <laughs> Dr. Eric Selvig uh, Also tries to help But the outlook isn't looking good for Jane
2: It was
3: nice seeing both of them Even though it was just a quick cameo for each It was I just agree.
2: nice I do agree that it's nice seeing Kat Dennings <laughs> uh, yeah. At any time <laughs> Seeking further you help You can come over Cat Dennings
0: All right, you need to calm down over there. You were (laughs) in jail. Immediately jail. Feral cat. Andrew WK is going to come beat you
2: up. (laughs) Uh, He does have a lot of songs about that. That's true. He's also
0: huge now. Have you seen him recently? No. He got
2: big, dude. Like
0: Like built. My my man is like swole
2: now. Swole Uh. WK. (laughs) You better get ready to die. Like he really took that song seriously. Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, Jane
0: looks into Asgardian magic and learns that Mjolnir, Mjolnir, blah, 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 yep. Mjolnir mm-hmm. might be the key to saving her. In New Asgard, Valkyrie is ruling as king, and the place has become a tourist attraction, complete with their own theater troupe of actors reenacting Thor's adventures. With Luke Hemsworth as Thor, Matt Damon as Loki, Sam Neill as Odin, and that's, Melissa McCarthy as Helen. That's
3: Sam Neill. <laughs> Yeah, that's fucking. He was funny. in he was in the in Ragnarok too. As I, Odin. I don't know
2: that why I didn't know that.
0: Uh can we talk about just really quickly another thing the internet was like mad about was that um infinity cones. What was it called? Uh yeah, the oh, yeah. ice cream shop infinity cones. There yeah. was that and
2: there was also a band. I don't know if you looked at all the posters yes. of the bands on um a- Axel Axel's wall um but one of them was like the something snaps or no it was called mad
3: titan mad titan
2: yeah mad titan
3: which i i get that a little bit because if you think about it for even a couple minutes it's like you know using the infinity gauntlet as the logo for infinity cones is like "Eh, maybe but i guess the infinity gauntlet was also used to save the universe so sure Axel's father was personally murdered by the Mad Titan. Why would he listen to that band? Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm just, I, that, it's, I don't know. it's just a funny background gag, but it's one of those ones that if you think about based, it for like two seconds too long, you're like, oh, hang on. based on the
2: genre of the 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 other what the other posters looked like and the m- music in the movie. I think Mad Titan is a very reasonable name for a band of oh, that yes, genre. Yeah. Like, it's it's whatever the genre might be, like, uh, punk, hard rock, whatever. That side of music, like, ironically
3: names shit all the time. There's probably <laughs> a metal band called Defier, right?
2: Yeah, I'm sure there is. Uh, I mean, uh, let me just name off a couple weird band names. Bullet For My Valentine, um, Kill Switch Engage. 5 Finger death punch like there's tons of band names that are like oh that seems kind of tragic or uh malicious or violent so yeah. like matt the beach boys the beach boy what are they doing on the beach <laughs> <laughs> who da- are da- these <laughs> boys I, I i thought that it was like at first yeah you're like oh why would someone name their band that and then you think about real life and you're like no it totally makes sense that someone would name their band that after this horrific thing that happened i I
3: totally get a band being called mad titan it's it's the it's heimdall's son having a poster (laughs) for them that that that's the part that feels like a step too far maybe Uh, i don't think it's a step too far yeah I i mean it's not it doesn't bother me
0: no for me like even like first off i think thinking about it too much is already too like thinking about the poster in heimdall's son's room about the mad like that's definitely too far. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Over analyzing an ice cream shop that just has a funny pun is too far. But also, the uh, going back to the poster, the music that the, the Axel's listening to is like metal. He's listening to this like it's like uh, you know when I was young and I listened to that kind of music and I still do. But like when I was like really into that kind of stuff, I was into messed up stuff. Like I'm not yeah. talking about like like like. I wasn't into like anything like crazy but like you know like stuff that was it, it, it was stuff that was meant to challenge societal norms it was meant yeah. to challenge like the, the the same notions that we think is, as normal today that was just like what you that's what you
3: do as a yeah, teenager who wants you to know? be an edgy teen Thanks. right so, so yeah I, th- I think it, it's justifiable it works I can see why people are like eh, but it's not a big deal and it reminds, and it, me, and it of, can it
2: reminds me of work reminds me that time I don't remember if I told you guys this while we were recording or outside of it. It reminds me of this time that I was visiting Texas with my uh, with my mom. And I think I was like, it was when Zanga was around. You know, in Zanga, you could like put a little uh, music player on your Zanga and then you could like have a drop down of songs for people to listen to while they yeah. were on your page. Well, we were visiting... And my mom was heavily considering moving to Texas because the rent prices were were way low. And I was an angsty teenager. I did not want to move. And I also am not very confrontational. I never have been. But to make a point that I did not want to live to Texas, I put two Three Days Grace songs on my Zango (laughs) drop down. And for like... One entire night that I was in Texas, I was on one of my grandparents' computers, blasting the shit out of the song "Home" uh, by Three Days Grace, which is like, "This house is not a home. I think I'm better off alone." <laughs> like, over and over and over and over. That's the kind of music I suspect that uh, Axel is listening to. Is like, <laughs> like Three Days Grace. <laughs> Uh, I hate everything about you. You know what I mean, like that kind of. That, the teenage years are for those songs. You can still like them as an adult, but that's they hit different when you're <laughs> an,
0: when you're an angsty teen, for yeah. sure. So Jane goes to a museum where the broken pieces of Mjolnir are left on display. The pieces then appear to glow and react to Jane's presence. As the team flies away and tries to tame the goats, and this is Thor's team, they detect a distress signal coming from Lady Sif, uh, and with Jamie Alexander reprising
3: her role. That was also nice. I agree. She got more to do than the Warriors 3 did in uh, Ragnarok.
0: I mean, we got to see them die here.
3: Yeah. That guy, True. that guy, and whoever that guy is. <laughs> those, those poor guys. I mean, like, <laughs> such disrespect. <laughs>
0: Uh, and Lady Sif calls to Thor and appears to be in the middle of a major fight. Knowing that they might be up against a greater threat than they know, Thor opts to part ways with the Guardians. He takes Korg and uses Stormbreaker's power to open the Bifrost and travel to Sif's location. Hold on. I forgot to talk about one bit that I fucking loved, and it was him flying on Stormbreaker at the <laughs> like beginning a witch, of the Like <laughs> a witch. Yes, that was
2: so good. <laughs> He like saddles up is like, you guys are going to be
0: late. That was wonderful. <laughs> I thought it was so fucking funny. What,
2: what do I not know about Jamie Alexander? Um, She was like, I don't know if you paid attention to the credits of this movie, but she was like the fourth listed actor, and she's in a total of two scenes for maybe a grand total of a minute and 10 seconds. And so I'm wondering like- She's got a good agent. I guess, but is she much more famous than I realize? What else is she in?
3: Um, she was on. I like her as Sif, by the way. I'm not. I'm blanking on the name of the TV show, but she was on some TV show, which is why she wasn't in Ragnarok because she was busy. Hmm. Um. I don't. I don't know anything else that she's in. But
2: I've stumped most of you. Yeah. I, I there are three know, of I'm us. Yeah. One of them is me. So most of you is two people.
3: I think it's part of it is that she was a returning person from the first couple Thors. Sure. Um, So.
2: I guess it might have also had to do with the fact that two of the major characters in this movie had, um, I know there's a name for it, but they had the like featuring Natalie Portman or with. uh, Yeah, the with
3: and the and.
2: Yeah, those, whatever those are called. If There's a name for them.
3: Blind Spot is the name of the TV show that I could not think of. That's probably her other biggest thing that she's known for. That I show don't ran think, for 5 years. I don't
2: think I've even heard of that show. Oh, it's a blind spot for you. It's
3: <laughs> <laughs> she fucking got him. <laughs> uh she like a, was a kind of a Memento situation I think where she couldn't remember where she came from but she was covered with tattoos and oh, okay. Uh as a crime drama television series. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna tell. I'm gonna tell my grandma. That's wrong.
2: I'm gonna tell my grandma. That's why I'm doing it. Uh, why yes. I'm getting all these tattoos. Oh,
3: that's exactly what it was. Okay. Blindspot focuses on a mysterious tattooed woman who's found naked inside a travel bag in Times Square by the FBI. She has no recollection of her past or identity. They discover that her tattoos contain clues to crimes they must solve. Wait, that actually sounds really cool. Yeah. Right. Like exactly. I I ran for five years, 2015 to 2020. Huh.
2: I might check that out. That ran later than I thought it did. Yeah. I might check that out.
3: Thor and Korg come upon
0: an icy land where they find the skeleton of a creature called Faligar. Thor finds Sif wounded with her arm missing, thinking she is ready to die. She tells Thor about Gore and how he is going after the gods, earning him the name God Butcher. Uh, I hate to break it to you, but you have to die in the battle
1: to get to Valhalla. <laughs> Your arm might be
0: in Valhalla. Uh, they teleport back to New Asgard, where Gore and his minions, Black Berserkers, are attacking the Ice Guardians. Thor uses Stormbreaker to smash down the monsters, while Korg gets Sif to safety. In the middle of the battle, Thor is elated to see Mjolnir coming his way until it returns to Jane, who is now wearing armor as the Mighty Thor. Thor is astonished to see her there. Uh, we get to see Jane fight with Mjolnir, and yes. the the oh. the separating and returning of Mjolnir into the
2: that pieces, is the coolest.
3: it's so cool.
2: Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. I'm so glad they did
3: that. That was so fun to watch. I want her to come back just for that. <laughs> or I guess Thor... Well, spoilers, Chris. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess Odinson ends up with the... Uh, With Mjolnir at the end of it, so I guess he could use Mjolnir that way. Yeah. But, oh man, what a cool idea. Also, did either of you watch the the Assembled behind the scenes about this movie? No, I never get around to watching those. I really should. Something very cool I learned from that is that the shadow monsters that Gore creates, those were designed by the child actors. What? They asked the kids, draw a monster, draw something that scares you and they turned those drawings into those shadow monsters. Dude, that is so cool. Very cool. That that is so cool. Yeah. And they show some comparisons from like the original drawing by the kids and then the actual 3D model that they used. All right, I'm going to be watching yeah, that. Yeah, you got sure. to check it
2: out. Oh man. How cool is that to like grow up and be like, "Hey, want to hear my fun uh party fact?" Let's put on Thor Love and Thunder. See this giant, weird spider-looking thing?
3: I drew that. Also, that's me in the background there. All right. But I drew that. Uh (laughs) Gorg continues his story with a brief
0: flashback to Thor and Jane's relationship. After their previous adventures, they started a serious relationship, but due to Thor's heroics and Jane's studies in science, they couldn't make the relationship work, so they had to break up. Still, Thor is elated to see Jane once more. Gore then has his monsters capture the Asgardian children and imprison them far from home. The heroes receive a projected image from Axel, son of Heimdall. With Thor's help, he is able to show Thor that the kids are being kept in the Shadow Realm with Yugi. <laughs> Thor resolves. <laughs> My uh, grandfather's deck has no pathetic cards. <laughs> Thor resolves to join forces with Jane, Valkyrie, and Korg to round up other gods for help. The team travels to Omnipotent City where all kinds of gods gather. The four disguise themselves and and sit as they watch Zeus make a grand entrance as Thor cites Zeus as an inspiration. However, Zeus quickly proves to be nothing but a jerk who is interested (laughs) in orgies and not the well-being of the gods.
2: That's my favorite line that Jeremy wrote in his synopsis. (laughs) Good job, Jeremy. What a jerk who's only interested in orgies. (laughs) Classic jerks. There are jerks in orgies. I think
0: he catches <laughs> Thor and exposes him literally. we we'll back to him that naked, later. No, he won't. Forcing the other <laughs> three we? to reveal themselves. Uh, that was a pun. <laughs> oh, no.
2: Oh, no. That's top tier. Damn. Oh, that's funny. Oh, man. I'm going to be thinking about that. <laughs> Gonna, I bet you are. That's what you're going to be
3: thinking about. <laughs> yeah. After we leave, I hope.
2: Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I'm thinking about it right now.
0: Uh, Maybe I'll say a controversial thing here. We want more gore in this movie. There's a few little things that we want. I think, personally, we could cut out the entire Omnipotent City thing and fit in more gore and fit in more other stuff. Here's what I wrote in my notes. Not sure
3: how I feel about the fight in Omnipotent City.
0: I think the fight is, I think the Valkyrie thing is cool where she like slices everybody and then just like flips her, like swings her head back. I think that's all really cool. I think the fight is fine. I don't really understand the point of it all except to get Zeus's lightning bolt.
3: There is an alternate scene where Zeus comes to Earth and gives Thor the lightning bolt that was filmed. Huh, interesting. And I'm wondering what the story was there. It seems like, like they wanted to set up the Hercules They plot. also yeah.
0: filmed this whole thing twice. And they had Russell Crowe do a British accent. And they had him do his Greek accent. And they ended up with the Greek version. Why would Zeus
3: be British? Well, yeah, they, I, I, I like the corny Greek accent. Same, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan.
0: Same. I'm, look- I'm not saying that the scene is bad. Like, I think Russell Crowe was actually really fun as Zeus. Yeah. I think the whole thing was kind of fun. But if you're looking at, like, extra weight that you could
2: have probably trimmed off of this movie... Uh, I don't know if I feel the same. I don't think... I loved the scene. I think maybe there were parts of it they could have trimmed down on. <coughs> it's not that I, did, I didn't dislike
0: the scene. I just don't think, like, yeah. as far as, like, integral to the story, to what the story that we
3: were telling. I, I think it I, is
2: important because you see that there's this entire city of powerful beings
3: who... From, like, every pantheon. Who I'm are sure. doing nothing. Cool.
2: Yeah, who are doing nothing. They have the power to do something we about have this. The power. Right. They have the ability to, to take care of this problem that could get a lot worse, and literally all of them are like, you know what? Nah. He won't make it. He just won't. Like, they could easily end Gore as a team in a second. They all show up to the Shadow Realm, and they just well, delete him.
0: Isn't the lightning bolt the key to the to Eternity, right?
2: No,
3: Stormbreaker, Stormbreaker
0: is. Stormbreaker Oh, Stormbreaker is. Yeah, then what the heck is the point?
2: I, I, I just think that uh, that's the point of the scene is to maybe not, (laughs) I'm not going full gore is right, right? I'm not Thanos is writing the situation, but it kind of proves from the scene in the beginning of the movie that a lot of the gods are kind of just as shitty as the one that he initially flipped on, that they have this (laughs) holier-than-thou, like, attitude, and they're so full of themselves and don't care about... Doing their actual duties that they have in those positions, <laughs> that they're just now nah, he won't make it <laughs> do duty. Yeah, if he makes it, whatever. But he won't.
3: That's a theme that maybe could have been explored with a bit more time as well. Right? Is you know the nature of Gore's quest because he doesn't does get,
2: butcher very many gods. Yeah, and
3: it, it, it's boiled down to he's sad about his daughter, and that works. You know, we're all looking for love. In one form or another, whether it's romantic love, familial love, the love of friends, you know, whatever that might be. And I think that's a nice note to end on. But an interrogation of the idea of the role that gods play in the cosmology of the MCU, in the everyday lives of people, you know, gods and faith and everything. That could have been a really interesting thing to, uh, uh, you know, to explore, as well as just the idea of misplaced faith in general whether that's faith in in gods that do not care about you or even just you know regular everyday thing that could have been interesting theme that they don't really do much with
2: yeah i think the scene just really highlights the complacency i also do like that fight i mostly like the fight for the visuals of the soldiers that protect omnipotent city being made out of what looked to me like sand yeah. I don't know if it was supposed to be sand or blood that was just gold or like a combination sand blood. I don't know. But uh, I thought they reminded me of, um, I mean, only Eduardo would get this. Um, you know, Azir from League of Legends? Yeah. His yeah, sand yeah. soldiers. Yep. That's what they reminded me of, um, which I thought was cool.
0: So Thor tells Zeus and the gods about Gore and his threat to go after all of them, but while Zeus quietly acknowledges the danger that Gore possesses, he tells Thor he cannot be bothered to help or even lend them his lightning bolt to help. Zeus also says that Gore will not reach eternity, which Valkyrie tells Jane is a cosmic being that can grant a wish to anyone that summons it, meaning Gore will use his wish to kill all the gods at once. Thor and his friends fight against Zeus's guards, but Zeus strikes Korg and shatters his body, but not killing him. Thor retaliates by hurling Zeus's bolt through his chest. Cork summons the goats to bring their ship back to get them out of there. On their way to the Shadow Realm, Thor sees that Stormbreaker is apparently jealous of the attention that Thor has been <laughs> giving to Jane and Mjolnir, prompting him to reassure the axe that they are still a pair. Ah, <coughs> Which is interesting because they end up,
3: at the end of this, not a pair.
2: Right, Stormbreaker is then loves, right? Right,
3: yeah. It's also interesting because when they were having the big fight in end game and Thor has Mjolnir and Captain America has Stormbreaker. He tosses Mjolnir back to Captain America and says, no, I get the big one.
0: <laughs> it was the new shiny at the time. Yeah, that's fair.
3: Thor and Jane also talk and appear to rekindle
0: their romantic feelings for one another. The ship, the ship then makes it to the <laughs> shadow realm where everything is stripped of color. And we get a really cool, like a uh, style change here la, you know, uh, werewolf by night. Yeah, right. You know? yeah.
2: These two things happened pretty close to one another. It's cool. Yeah. I love the visual styling in this movie, except for one scene. Um, but I think this movie, it, I was talking about Demon Slayer. I don't think I w- we were recording earlier when I said this. I was talking about the, the anime Demon Slayer and how there's like... Uh, there's different art styles going on at the same time in demon slayer and it still works. It makes it prettier in my opinion. And I think visually this movie for the most part does a really, really good job of that. There are a ton of instances of different animation and different art styles going on in the movie. Um, that's that don't look like they would work, but they do work. Like when they go to Omnipot C- Omnipotent City and they see the dumpling god, he is very kawaii. He is not he is like a drawing, but somehow it still works. Yeah. Um in the very beginning of the movie, uh well not the very beginning, but they fight those like bird men in they look like Muppets. They look like Power Rangers villains. Yeah. They
3: were they were actual costumes and puppets, by the way. Yeah, like Um So I love that.
2: They straight up look like they're fighting animal. Like, uh, like he's just not on the drums. He's manning a machine gun instead. They get to the Shadow Realm, and it is, you know, all black and white, except for, like, when Mjolnir is glowing as a light source,
3: there's, like, a small radius yeah. around Mjolnir where there's some color. The weapons are color and give off a little bit of light, and then Gore's eyes are color, yeah. too. I think that's a really good touch.
2: I, I think that's really pretty. Um, Specifically, the there are scenes so when we meet the black berserkers in asgard they look more like they're matching the visual style of asgard at night which is cool but when we see them on this moon uh they look like they straight up came out of like a 1930s horror movie where they're moving kind of sporadically like maybe stop motion is going on um I think that's really pretty and cool, and it reminds me of a thing I'm going to recommend later that I won't spoil now, so I really, really like the visual style there. My only nitpick visually with this movie, obviously, there's a ton of cool, like, spacey backgrounds, like the space dolphins and all the cool nebula stuff going on in the background, not the character, the the thing, um, and, you know, they're on the Bifrost a lot. That's always fun to look at. The very, very first scene in the Oasis, something about the way that they've animated the first god that Gore kills looks really off to me. Um, That is a super nitpick, and it's not even worth remembering, but something about the way that he, like, stands up and grabs Gore by the throat and the animation of him doing that looks like they just didn't spend very much time on that guy. And that guy could have very well just been a big man. So I'm not sure why they needed to animate him. But if you go back and rewatch that, it very much is animated and it, I'm not really sure why. The flower people are cool. The like yeah. flower beings that they interact with there are cool. And the other, uh, like the masked denizens of that oasis, they're all cool. But the god itself is, other than that one specific <laughs> nitpick, everything else about this movie is really pretty. And I especially like this mostly black and white sometimes not section i think it's really really well done it's fun to look at
3: i agree
0: <laughs> i mean yeah i agree i think it's really cool yeah it's a good looking movie <laughs> i agree jane hurls stormbreaker into space because she learns that Gorr will use the bifrost to find eternity Gore finds them and battles Thor, Jane, and Valkyrie, with Gore wounding Valkyrie in the process. Gore threatens to kill both Jane and Valkyrie unless Thor summons Stormbreaker, leaving him no choice but to do so. Thor grabs the axe and opens the Bifrost, attempting to escape with Jane and Valkyrie, but Gore catches Stormbreaker just as they are teleported. Jane is left without her armor and has gotten weaker and more sickly. A
2: thing I meant to add in there, sorry. Real quick, let me go back. Thor can obviously summon his weapons by just, you know asking them to show up. I love that Gore can do the same thing with the Necrosword, and I love the way that that the Necrosword shows up. It just yeah. kind of reverse, like, melts out of the floor. It just like, I'm a shadow, and now I'm not a shadow. Like, it just gets summoned out of things, and I think that's super cool.
3: I think it's also cool they kind of draw a parallel between how Gore's life changes when he is chosen by the Necrosword and how Jane's life changes when she's chosen by Mjolnir. And, and I think that is an interesting parallel. Uh,
0: can we talk about the Necrosword since we're talking about it really quick? Let's. Uh, so the Necrosword, we've talked about it before because we talked about it on, the, I think, the Venom episode. Yeah. Um, but the Necrosword is a that sword. That is the very same, yes? Uh, yeah, so it's like a it's like a combination of... It's the first symbiote in
3: the comics, right. I believe.
0: But, like, the Necrosword is also, in the comics, has also been the Ebony Blade. Like, those have, like, crossed over at times. Oh, they, there's been, like, it's it's been. Is that Jon
2: Snow's blade? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so it has been that one. That one, it also makes sense that that one is a symbiote because it, like, talks to uh, Black Knight or whatever, and it's got all these powers. But, yeah, so it is the. The, the Necrosword. Is the first symbiote in the comics in the Big Venom with Null? It's a Null sword in the comics, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. My guess is they do literally nothing and they don't actually touch any of that. Yeah, Uh, but (laughs) uh, we
2: we think it's like uh, like canonically definitely broken. It like faded away, right?
3: I I think yeah yeah probably. we do, we talked about this on the uh, No Way Home episode a little bit because I think I brought it up then because this movie had yet to come out, mm. and I brought up the idea that hey, you know, they could if they wanted to tie in now that we know that there's a symbiote in this universe, they could tie it together if they wanted to if they ever wanted to do like a King and Black MCU Sony crossover, but it seems like that's probably not going to happen.
0: Yeah, I don't think that has any chance. I have I think there is a significantly higher chance of because of the the newest Marvel Sony deal, my guess is that there is a much higher chance of Spider-Man appearing in Sony properties than Sony characters appearing in the
3: MCU. I will say that and I I brought this up in the Discord before. Uh, you know, the Quantumania trailer just came out and they referenced Spider-Man in that. So it seems like at least part of this deal that didn't seem to be a thing before is that and the MCU movies can reference Spider-Man whenever they want now. Because it was very a, a very clear divide. They only ever talked about Spider-Man in movies that Spider-Man was in. Mm-hmm. <hmm. But now they've brought him up in uh, Multiverse of Madness. Um, they have referenced him a little bit on She-Hulk. Uh, they, now it looks like they're referencing him in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So... It looks like they can at least talk about Spidey now, which is fun. Jane is brought
0: to a hospital where Thor learns that her prolonged use of Mjolnir is killing her faster. Although she wants to help Thor fight Gore, he tells her that he loves her and wants her to be alive. She relents and lets Thor go off on his own. Thor gets Zeus's lightning bolt from Valkyrie and heads off to face Gore. I do want to say, and I remember this, before this movie came out, around when the trailers came out, we talked about this, and I said, it'll be really interesting to see if they do the Jane Foster cancer storyline, yeah. and I was told by one Chris that they were most likely not going to, do, like he couldn't see them doing it. No,
3: I, thought I said that they had said they were doing
0: it. It was before that. It was before oh. they had said anything, you said you didn't think they were going to be, that, that, that's not something that you think that you thought they would touch.
2: What's the Lord of the Rings line where I don't recognize this place? I don't recognize this place. No, that's not the line. <laughs> that's not the line. Uh, I listen. If it didn't happen twelve seconds ago, I don't remember it. So it might have been me. I, I mean, maybe one
0: day we'll go back and, and listen, and I'll see who it was. I I, yeah. I, I remember it being Chris. Uh, we'll be.
2: We'll do that like Bo Burnham sketch from his last special where he reacts to him reacting. We'll react to us podcasting, <laughs> and then we'll be react We're to the reaction. We're going to be reassembling the reassemble. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to watch the movies again. We're going to listen to us. <laughs> yeah. Also super sad. I, I, I don't know if I'm surprised that they did it, but it feels like having never read a Mighty Thor comic, uh, just keep that in mind, it feels like maybe it wouldn't make sense if they didn't, right? Because that's kind of like the crux of her character. That's why she gets the mighty Thor powers. Well, not
0: necessarily, because in the comics, it works different. Thor, I mean, think about the inception of Thor. It didn't used to be that Thor was a person. It was he whoever is worthy will have has the power of thor it was a different person that picked up the hammer and became thor eventually we get a thor that is himself but then we have other characters wielding mjolnir that become and get the powers of thor you have the mighty thor you have beta ray bill you have these characters that when they get mjolnir and they are worthy they become thor so like the The way that they do it there is maybe a little different. Yeah. While although they still have the the cancer storyline and that's where it originated and stuff, the way that she becomes Thor's is, is different. She is worthy, and that yeah. is why she is able to. Whereas in this, the the conception is Thor's love for her and the the promise that he
2: made Mjolnir make to her. Yeah, it's not necessarily that she's worthy, which I think well, Jane Foster is. I'm I not saying she's
3: not. They definitely say that. It's a combination of Mjolnir protects her, but Mjolnir protects her because she's worthy, I think. Right. Mm. Well, and it's the same thing she made him worthy.
0: Because he's able to then give it to all the kids because
2: all the kids are worthy. Sure. Or maybe he just has the power to enchant objects with spells now. Because that's all that was, right? It was just a normal hammer until. Odin spoke into it that whoever wields it has the power of Thor. Well, it
3: was an enchanted hammer, but it didn't have that particular enchantment on it. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It was a magic hammer, but it became enchanted when Odin enchanted it, and that enchantment of worthiness remains. It's
2: just that Thor has recently started specking into a wizard class, and now he can enchant mm-hmm. things. F- solid. Was that the right class? Yeah. Did I sure. say that correctly?
0: Yeah, well, Thor <laughs> is high... He started to put points in wisdom, but he still has zero in intelligence. Okay.
3: <laughs> he <laughs> he maxed out, out... charisma a long time ago. There yeah, you go. Charisma <laughs> and strength. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good character.
2: Although Jane... oh, uh, one oh, more thing ahead. I
3: want to say about this scene. Just a nice touch is Thor acknowledging that it is Jane's choice ultimately, but he's like, but I would regret if I didn't say what I think here, but it's your choice. It's like, okay, Thor's a good guy.
2: I agree.
3: Uh, although Jane wants to help Thor fight
0: Gore, he tells her that he loves her and wants her to still be alive. She relents and lets Thor go off on his own. Thor gets Zeus's lightning bolt from Valkyrie and heads off to face Gore. Gore brings the children to Eternity, where he places Stormbreaker down to begin the process. Thor arrives and battles Gore with all his might, but Gore begins to overpower him.
2: Yes, Peach? That's another thing I forgot to mention. The vision... Eternity looks so fucking cool. Eternity is
3: a perfect representation of Eternity from the comics. It's like one-to-one. Absolutely great.
2: I thought that was so cool that they did that. I mean, why wouldn't they? But it looks so cool.
3: I have a little nitpick, and this is a, a comics thing, but... All right, so I love the way Eternity looks. I prefer, so far, and we'll see what happens, how Eternity is actually... You know, an entity that represents the entire universe in the comics, whereas in this movie it's kind of reduced to the Triforce, where it's this thing that if you find it, it'll grant you a wish. Um, That said, I think it's exciting to see where they go with Love, the daughter, whatever we want to call her, uh, who apparently is some sort of embodiment of Eternity now. So that's cool. So I'm excited to see where they go from there. I think there's a lot of potential there, so i'm not too torn up about what they did um also um, uh, real quick the temple of eternity uh the <laughs> statues in there i want to talk about is that where we are yet since we started talking yeah, about eternity yeah uh yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah because yeah, 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 really cool. gore brought the children there yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um i have here a list of every statue i feel like Senator McCarthy, I have here a list of every statue <laughs> in, the, uh, uh, in Eternity's temple. Um, and it's very cool. I love that we're getting more of these cosmic entities that sort of represent ideas and forces. Uh, but among them, there is a statue of Eternity, of course. Infinity, who is Eternity's sister in the, in the comics, uh, an, an embodiment of the a- abstract concept of the multiverse. Uh, Lady Death has a statue. Thanos is beloved in the comics. The Watcher is there, and what I love in particular is that it is very clearly the what-if design of the Watcher.
2: I missed all of these. The only one I saw is the Celestial Head statue that Thor catches. Yeah,
3: there's a Celestial, and I'll get to whichever one that one was. Um... The Living Tribunal has a statue there. We keep getting Living Tribunal statues uh, and stuff. There's a, statue in, in There's a statue of him in Multiverse of Madness. a statue of him in Loki. Uh, Eon, who is uh, uh, one of Eternity's children, uh, created the con- in the comics, created the quantum bands used by the original Captain Marvel. Hmm. Uh, so we'll see if that has something to do with the Marvels, since... They seem to be kind of borrowing a little bit of the concept of that with uh, Kamala's bangle. The one above all, who is basically capital G God in the Marvel comics, also has a statue in there. So yeah, so that's really cool that they're bringing in all these weird cosmic things there, even just as references.
2: I need to go look at that scene again because... You said a lot of things, and I knew none of them. Not even just I didn't know those characters' names. I don't recall a statue of anybody in that scene because I think I was just paying attention to other stuff.
3: I remember watching the movie in theaters and saying, oh, I bet I bet, as soon as I go home I'm going to find someone who's made a list of all of them because the only one that I recognized offhand was the Watcher. Sure. And there, there he is. Oh, yeah, that is very What If Watcher. It is absolutely the What If version of The Watcher, which I think is cool.
2: Huh.
0: So Jane senses that Gore is overpowering Thor and wheels Mjolnir one more time and takes the fight to him, pummeling Gore and helping Thor free free Stormbreaker. Thor also grants the children temporary powers to use their own weapons to fight the Black Berserkers, (laughs) which was just so fun. That's
3: (laughs) my favorite scene. Yeah. Of the movie,
2: this scene think. is so good. Suddenly, they all have like extreme martial arts training. They're doing like flip kicks, yeah. And these like gigantic superhero heroic leaps, and the the one dressed as a fairy is using like a magic wand to cut the shadow monster in half. Yeah. The laser bunny
3: eyes girl. I love that you know they're not all Asgardians, but Thor's like today you are. Today we are space Vikings. Yeah, and. The fact that it's all happening while November Rain by Guns N' Roses is playing in the background. It's so good.
2: There's a lot of Guns N' Roses, specifically Guns N' Roses, in this soundtrack. Yep. Which is funny because they mention them by name in a scene earlier.
3: Take me down to omnipotent city.
0: (laughs) (laughs) With their combined forces, Thor and Jane destroy the Necrosword. However, the gate to eternity has been opened. When the grass
2: is green and the gods are shitty. (laughs) There
0: we go. (laughs) Before Gore can make his wish, Thor tells him that he doesn't want revenge, but rather love. Thor chooses love instead of fighting Gore since he would rather spend his final moments with Jane, who is dying. Gore is faced with the realization that he is dying due to his prolonged corruption from the Necrosword, and he uses his wish to see his daughter one last time. Thor stays by Jane's side, reaffirming their love for one another and sharing one last kiss as her body disintegrates. Gore spends one final moment with his daughter and asks Thor to take care of her before he dies.
2: See, this is another reason that I wish we had more gore because while I think we do learn enough about him to say he cares about his daughter, he's doing he's on this little pilgrimage uh, because of that catalyst, right? Like he he loved his daughter and felt like the gods betrayed him and her. I don't know that I necessarily fully believe that a small little pep talk from Thor while standing in front of eternity would have convinced Gore to completely change his mind
0: do you think it would have been more evocative if the opening scene was instead in the middle of the movie if that scene if we don't find out about what happened with Gore until well, just because you on. got
3: there late doesn't mean we need to change the order of everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no.
0: <laughs> no! What I'm saying is like because the 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 most e- evocative part of gore happens at the very beginning, right? That part where we're like yeah. his relationship with his daughter and all that stuff, and then we don't really get any of that until the very end. Would it have been more effective if that would have been a little closer to that, and we would have been we would have remembered that a little more instead of at the
3: very beginning of the movie? I think seeing if we just seen more gore, start with that. Then we see him like how lost he is to the Necrosword and this crusade he has against the gods and more opportunities to spend time with Gore in the movie are more opportunities to remind us why he's doing what he's doing. Because like I think again that scene where he's with the kids like really reinforces his motivation again. So I think that would have been okay. If we had just gotten more reminders that yes, he's he's become the God Butcher, he's corrupted by the Necro Sword, but reinforcing that yeah. the whole reason he's doing this is because of you know grief for his daughter.
2: I th- I think for me to have a more believable final moment where he is convinced by this tiny little Thor speech. I think we need to see that struggle because he very immediately, like literally the beginning of the movie, goes from, uh, uh, like devout to this god, uh, man just trying to do his best to, I'm immediately succumbing to the sword and I'm now a murderer and I'm going to murder everybody. And I feel like he needs to struggle with that a little bit because I think while he, it feels like he has a pretty good reason for doing what he's doing. I think also a guy that before that moment was a devout follower of this God would probably also feel bad for what he's doing. Yeah. I don't think he would immediately go from zero to a hundred bloodlust style. I feel like he would be like, you know what? This is kind of fucked up, but the sword is corrupting me. It's a struggle and it doesn't
3: seem like a struggle. I think part of the weakness of it is maybe that we don't get enough of the idea that the sword itself is a corrupting force and is a sentient force because clearly, you know, it speaks to him. And I think that if we would gotten more of that, more of these like actual the sword, I don't necessarily want to say like as a full character, but as like the voice in the back of his mind getting him to do these things, then maybe Thor's speech combined with us having a better understanding of gore. Combined with having the sword, you know, as as a being and then the destruction of the sword maybe is the first step towards, you know, now that voice in his head is gone and Thor is able to appeal directly to gore and not just the God Butcher. Sure. So Korg ends his
0: story by saying that Jane's sacrifice made her a hero and Asgardian legend. Valkyrie went back to ruling New Asgard, using Sif's help to train the children in self defense. Korg got his body back and found a male partner from his species named Dwayne. Dwayne the Rock. <laughs> Thor is now raising Gore's daughter as his own, calling her Love, and she is shown to be just as tough as he is. They go outside their home to face an incoming threat together, with Korg saying they are known as Love and Thunder.
2: Pan flaps. You love pan flaps.
0: Mid-credits scene, Zeus is revealed to still be alive, and he is plotting revenge against Thor. He turns his task over to his son, Hercules. That guy from Ted Lasso. Re- played by Roy Kent. <laughs>
2: One day I'll watch that show. His name
0: is Brett Goldstein, but Roy Kent is his name in, in Ted Lasso, and mm. he's, he's, he's my favorite character in that show.
2: Hmm. That guy's
0: jacked. He is, and he's—I don't think he's like that in Ted Lasso, but he is <laughs> jacked in
2: that scene. Is he? And he's just covered up well, like Maybe. the good place. Cheedy. He, he seems really skinny. Or like like, like Cheedy is like he dresses like a nerd, and then yeah. one episode of season three, he has a shirt off and. They're like, what the fuck? Apparently, he's in Quantumania, by the yeah,
0: way. Yeah, speaking of Chidi, he, yeah. he has a secret role in Quantumania. No one has said what the role is. I'm, fingers
3: crossed, Reed Richards. He's still my... He's bro, still he would be an incredible Reed oh, Richards. Oh, that yes. would be so yeah, cool. Yeah, if we're I get Krasinski, he's, he's my first choice yeah, for Reed I agree. Bro, let's go. Just the whole cast,
2: actually. Just, yeah, they yeah. are the Fantastic Four. Yeah. If it's them. Bro, wouldn't that be so good? <laughs> it would be so good. Who's we, who? You would have to replace
0: oh. Jamila Al Jamil because. Uh, no, I won't. All right. <laughs> Human Torch could be a great Jamila Al Jamil will be. Uh, oh, right. The so thing. She's, oh, right. She's already She'd be in the, the thing. MCU. Because yeah. <laughs> Jason would be uh,
3: the Human Torch. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Kristen Bell would obviously be Sue Storm. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And you can uh, also sub and in Jason. Ted Jansen is Dr. Doom. Who's Janet? Ooh. Oh, I want her in the MCU, too. Yeah, same. Um, we'll bring in Herbie the robot from the cartoon, the 60s cartoon, and she can be the voice. Okay. Heck yeah. And then in the post credit scene, Jane's spirit is welcomed
0: by a familiar face, Heimdall. He welcomes her to the land of the gods,
3: Valhalla. And that was just a sweet touch, I thought. I agree. Which, if I have done the math correctly, that makes Idris Elba, along with Chris Hemsworth, Uh, They are the only two actors that have been in all four Thor movies, not counting like when they use archival footage to show Loki and Odin or whatever. Hmm. I believe they are the only two that have been in all four.
0: So it's interesting to talk about the future of the MCU as it relates to this movie because I don't know if you guys saw the the sort of the the news that kind of broke out after the premiere of this movie. But at the end of this movie, it says Thor will return. Mm -hmm. And during the premiere of the movie, Taika Waititi and Chris Hemsworth were reportedly sitting next to each other. And when that came up, they both looked very surprised. Uh, (laughs) They were not expecting to see Thor will return. And they were like, oh, he will? Like, that's news to us. You think that's a bit? It could be. It could be a bit. Or it could be they just haven't had a deal yet nothing's been laid out with them yet uh
2: isn't chris hemsworth one of the actors that said some paraphrased version of like as long as you keep thor fresh like this i would love to keep playing him yeah
3: if you watch the assembled he talks about this like if this is my last time playing thor because maybe it is you know i think this is a good one to go out on but he also has been very open about saying that he is interested again Taika Waititi, I think, has even said that he would be interested in coming back and doing another Thor uh, if, you know, if if the opportunity were to r- arise. Also, the idea of Thor will return is a little more ambiguous than it used to be now. True. Because it could be the mighty Thor will return. And granted, yes, she's in Valhalla, but... It could be Throg. Weird things could happen. It could be Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. So I mean, I if they're going to do one more
0: Thor movie, my... I and Taika Waititi's at the helm of it. I would 100% think Beta Ray Bill would be in that movie. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not as like a central figure, but like make a cameo something. I think Beta Ray Bill would show up. I, yeah. I
3: would be shocked though if they don't get him back for either/slash both of Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, Secret Wars in the comics had a whole police force of different versions of Thor.
1: Mm.
3: yes it did Four core yes four so. core
2: <laughs> I like that
0: I'm really interested to see what direction they go with secret wars because the secret wars in the comics are all about how like Dr. Doom creates a parallel like a, a he like recreates the universe yeah in a that's where you get God Emperor Doom because he's he becomes the god of the universe yeah and uh And then you have, like, a few people who remember what the old universe was like, and Spider-Man being one of them. I remember the good old And they basically try to, like, put the universe back to what it's supposed to be. It's where you had the combining. It's Miles Morales. It's not Peter Parker. And it's where you had the combining of the Ultimate and the... uh, Hmm. Yeah, because
3: there had been a series of incursions. Right, the
0: incursions, Um, and then it eventually had all the universes colliding.
3: Is that a more
2: recent thing then? Because that was... Yeah, Secret Wars was
3: uh, 2015. Because that must
2: be what was happening in the middle of that Kamala Khan run. Yes. Where Captain Marvel was like, hey, uh, actually, probably all of this city is going to be destroyed, so
3: just do your best. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and then when it came... Because it came back, and it's not a full reboot. Marvel has never done a full continuity reboot. And a lot of the stories just continued on the way they had been before yeah. because the universe is rebuilt in such a way that, yeah, everything's the same with a few minor differences like, oh, Miles Morales lives here now. Yeah, uh, yep. It's an interesting story because Doom is very established by the time of Secret Wars, you know, obviously in the Marvel comics. And he's not so much the bad guy as a guy that's trying his best, uh, but <laughs> he's still Dr. Doom at the yep. end of the day. So, you know, what he thinks is best isn't always the best.
2: So do you think that we're gonna get our introduction of Doom in Secret Wars? Which you just said he was already long. Fantastic Four is coming out before that. Oh, yeah, okay. so
3: I guess my guess is we're gonna be the introduction there. I I mean, I I'm still you know, this episode's coming out before Wakanda Forever, so I'm gonna throw out my prediction that we're gonna meet Doctor Doom in the post credit scene of Wakanda Forever. And mm-hmm. you'll know in three days if I'm wrong or not. 3 days from by the time this episode releases. Oh
2: Jesus. Okay. Well, that's no, not no, that no, much no. different, but that's soon.
0: It's November 5th, November 9th God of War Ragnarok comes out and then November 11th Black Panther Wakanda Forever comes
2: out. Are you going to make it through November? I'm going to die. You're not going to make it
3: through this week. I <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm going to be dead by next week. I I I will have not like it has just been, like, one thing after another. I won that Tracy McGrady jersey. I, like, literally, right. it has been just an insane, insane
2: couple weeks for me. Well, December is going to be awful for you. I'm so I know. sorry. Uh, how is it ever you going to You used all your up? lottery look. I know. <laughs> so, uh,
0: MVPs. Peach, we'll start with you. Who's your MVP for this movie?
2: Yeah, despite most of my uh, nitpicking on this episode being about how there was not enough gore, that's part of why he is also my MVP. I think there's some very solid performances in this movie. But I think Christian Bale, I don't know if you can say he's exactly rated or if he's an underrated actor or what he might be, but I think he just plays this role super well. And I think just the fact that my main issue is that I want more of him maybe actually emphasizes that point is that like he did so well that I wanted more. You know, um, so for me, the MVP is Gore and uh, do I think there's a close second? I don't know if I do. I'm not sure if I think there's a close second. Uh, <laughs> Chris, uh,
3: you know, I'm since I, w- I want to be different, I, I dare think, to be. I think Christian Bale is great in you this hipster. movie. I think that the movie doesn't serve Gore well enough to actually. For me, I'm not going to name him the MVP just because of that, hmm. because I would have liked some more. more Thankfully, gore. they didn't woefully misuse him the way they did Christopher Eccleston in Dark World. Yeah, you know, but still, it, I feel like there is a little bit too much left on the table that Gore could have been, you know, the one of the greatest villains that we've gotten in Marvel already. I mean, he's still what he does with what he has is fantastic. So, you know, props to him. But I'm going to go ahead and give it to the mighty Thor. Hmm. Yeah, because I think, first of all, I never expected Natalie Portman to ever come back. So I think it's really great that she did. And they gave her an interesting storyline. The montage, we didn't really talk too much about this, but the the montage set to uh, our last summer, uh, the Abba Song, where Korra is like, here's, Here's what the relationship was like. Did more to sell me on their relationship than the first two Thor movies put together. I yeah. believed it. And this is the most I have ever believed the Thor and Jane relationship. And I think, you know, she got to play comedy. She got to play tragedy. And she got to play superhero for the first time. And I just really liked that a lot. So, uh, yeah, I'm giving it to the Mighty Thor. Eep. My hammer. Yeah. I saw, by the way, someone unironically point that out as an example of how bad Marvel writing has gotten. That's the whole point of that line is that she's coming up with bad catchphrases. Come on. I think that
0: that particular (laughs) sequence isn't my favorite. And I unfortunately think it has less to do with the writing and more to do with Natalie Portman in a role that she is not very comfortable normally in. I don't think she does comedy like that. I don't think it's like her forte. Like I think the more emotional scenes are where you get the real like work that Natalie Portman has done throughout the years and you can really see the refinement there. Whereas Mm -hmm. her comedy work to me left a little to be desired and that's okay because I think the script was good enough that where it like kind of carried a little bit. Um, But like Peach, I have to give it to Gore. I think Christian Bale is great in this movie. And I think he's great for a few reasons, but one of the main reasons for me is that I think Marvel in general, when they originally created the MCU, they picked actors that had the look and had sort of the feel, but not necessarily the acting chops to go with it. And I think they have since moved and are trying to get these more, they're trying to get actors now to play these roles. They're trying to get this like, what Gore has done, what Jonathan Majors is going to do in Kang, Dyn- in Kang Dynasty and 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 Quantum Mania, are things that we don't see normally in the MCU because we don't get some of these types of performances. What I'm hearing about Angela Bassett in in Wakanda Forever, there are these these actors that can put on these these real true all time great performances in a Marvel movie. You could say you could make the argument that Marvel movies don't have the best acting, but that's not what you're necessarily there for. You're there for the action. You're there for the script. You're there for the, 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 the the experience of it all. And you could lose a little bit of the acting there and it's okay. This movie doesn't, and, and Gore's performance specifically doesn't sacrifice that. It is all of that Marvel fun stuff. And also this incredible performance by Christian Bale, who is really showing what a, what a, what an actor can do in that kind of role. So for me, it's definitely gore. And like uh, Peach yeah. has said, uh, I wanted more of it. Ratings. Chris, we'll start with you. What are you going to rate?
3: Um, I went ahead and I gave it uh, eight supercharged bunny dolls out of ten. <laughs> how about you, Eduardo? I gave it
0: 8.5 screaming goats out of ten.
2: <laughs> Peach, about, what about you? That's about how many times the screaming goat gag was used in the movie. <laughs> I know. Uh, I liked this one and I was looking, as I always do, I was looking at my other movie ratings because I was like, pretty sure I was going to rate it this, but then I wanted to see where other things were. Um, so I ended up getting, giving it eight arms and Valhalla out of 10. Um, mostly because as we move on to the next section, just real quick, I liked this movie a lot and I had fun, but I didn't think it was better than Shang-Chi. So, and I rated Shang-Chi an eight. So this is an eight, but below Shang-Chi.
0: <laughs> and so we'll go into our rankings here. For me, I have, it, I have it in a similar place than you. It's just the movies around it are different. But yeah. I have it just after Multiverse of Madness, kind of in the lower of the middle section for me. I really liked this movie, and it just shows the strength because the, every movie that is above this, I really enjoy. So it yeah. is part of the stuff that I really enjoy. And then everything below this is stuff that like I enjoy, but not nearly as much as I enjoy the other stuff. Uh, so it's definitely in that that upper level for me of stuff that I really enjoy what Yeah. About, what about you Peach?
2: I think that's the same for me I, w- I didn't really realize that until you said it but now that I'm looking at where I put Thor Love and Thunder it's basically that and everything above it is like in some way a beloved movie of mine and everything below it is like in some other tier you know if we were to tier list them it's in some other tier because I have it uh it, I have it rated as an 8 as I just said but then right above it is Shang-Chi and right above that is Thor Ragnarok. Right below it is Multiverse of Madness and below that is Ant-Man. So it's like in the middle but I think that right now is like the line in the sand. Uh yeah, I agree with what you said. Chris, and I also want to know where you put Multiverse of Madness because you didn't decide in the last episode. Oh it's the last a- movie episode. It's ahead
3: of Eternals at least. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's it's fourth from the bottom um, <laughs> under ultra no! yeah. ouchie wowie <laughs> and Iron Man 2 um, oh, uh, Love and Thunder really is fucked him up. smack in the middle for me smack I, yeah like I counted up 15 out of 29 um, but it is at what I would call the dividing line of the upper middle tier and the lower middle tier so it's not in the top tier of stuff for me it's right after uh, Homecoming which you know is a movie I love but it's ahead of Captain Marvel and the Ant-Man. Mine's at 15, too. I just counted. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's right there. You know, it is... There have been 29 an, uh, Marvel it movies. It is... Yeah. If there's a middle tier that's broken into upper, middle, and lower middle, it's right at the dividing line of the upper, middle, and lower middle. But in the upper part of that.
0: So, yeah. Mine's at 15.
2: Holy
3: oh, shit. Oh, wow. Dang.
2: No
0: way. Look at us. How about that? No way. How about Dem Apples? That's crazy. Uh, Let's uh, wrap this up with some recommendations. Recommendation
2: jingle.
0: Yeah. Chris, uh, I'm going to start. And we can we can tag team this one because yeah. we have both. This is a co recommendation. Uh, we're we're going to recommend a a video game. It is a game that you can get on your cell phone, and you can also play it on your PC if you really want to. It is a game that uh, feeds into the theme of the show. It's called Marvel Snap.
2: Marvel Avengers Alliance.
0: <laughs> it is a sh- It is a video Rip. game that came out uh, just a couple weeks ago. It is a collectible card game, a digital collectible card game. It is made by a group of former Blizzard developers that created the hit collectible card game Hearthstone. They then left Blizzard, opened their own studio, and they've been working on this for a few years, and they finally come out with it. Uh, It it is, in my opinion, a refinement of the card game genre. Uh, For those that don't know, I love card games. Card games are one of my favorite things in the world. I've been playing collectible card games since I was very young, and so um, when I say that this is a refinement and an improvement over of the collectible card game genre uh know that i really mean it because i've been playing these kinds of games and really deep diving into these kinds of games for years you know um i've got just thousands of hours played playing uh all different kinds of card games like that the the game is really interesting because you have just a 12 card deck that is it you have 12 cards Every game is only six rounds. It's very short. And there are three islands, three lands. And what you'll do is you will battle for the different territory. Whoever is winning, whoever has the most power on two out of the three of those lands wins that match. It's got some really, really smart ways to deal with some of the worst parts of card games. Uh, it has this uh, mechanic called the snap mechanic. Where you can wager more of your rank points essentially if you are confident that you are going to win and if you win that match, you then get more rank points than you would if you hadn't by snapping. You can also choose to retreat, you can leave so it it sort of alleviates some of the worst parts of card games, which are hey, I drew a bad hand or hey this this the the, the randomness of this really didn't work for me. I can just leave and queue up another game and all I did was lose one cube. That's no big deal. Uh, whereas when you win and you win eight cubes, it feels incredible. Mm-hmm. Another thing that is, in my opinion, probably the most important and the, most, the, 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 the coolest thing about this game is the art. The art in this game is incredible. So they do these really cool card effects where your card starts off as it, as it normally would in a card. And then it does what's called a frame break where the image in the card breaks out of the frame. So the image is out almost like uh, – it's really hard to explain with the, like the limbs and One stuff. 3D can, like, things. Can kind well, of be the outside of the frame. Step, yeah. The next step is it then becomes 3D where you move your phone Three and the image D. is 3D like around it's it's a really cool effect and then it kind of continues up and then you it then becomes a little animated and then it comes a highlighted border and then it goes to um an animated border, and then it becomes infinity. Shit, there's like seven levels there, and yeah, then and then you do a and then, shiny it's, and shiny then it shiny logo, shiny logo. Well, and then I don't know if you've gotten to this point, Chris, but then you can split them.
3: Oh no! I so have not.
0: when you get it all the way to the highest rarity, it then splits, and then a, a a random extra rarity will be added to it. So there are different like rainbow backgrounds, and you can do. Um, There are different particle effects that could be added. And it will then, the more you split the card and re- like, Because then that new card, then you have two versions of the card. The card that you've already upgraded all the way and then this new version, which you can upgrade all the way and if you do it again, you then get a new version of that card and then you can do that again and get a new version There's oh, like a nice. black and white version and you can keep doing that to get all these different kinds of versions of that different rarity and then they have all of these different variants of the cards that haul out all different kinds of artworks, one from uh, artists that they have then gotten to do art exclusively for the game and also they have pulled different art from different comic runs for the game like they have an entire luchador series of uh... different heroes as luchadors and there's a venom with like a championship belt one that i want so bad that's cool um but yeah it's very very cool the way that you get your cards is cool. I just like really think if you are interested in card games at all and you like Marvel, or even if you don't like Marvel, or if you like Marvel and you haven't been interested in card games, for both directions, this is a great, great game to play, and I think it's a great um, use of your time. I also think as far as a free-to-play game, it is very respectful of the monetization. It is not egregious in your face. Come spend money at all times. It is very respectful of that, and... I I think as far as card games go,
3: this is the one that you should be playing. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. It's simple to play. Uh the decks themselves are small, right? What is it? Like 12 cards in a deck? Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to think too hard, but a lot of the cards have different abilities that go together well. I've built like seven decks so far, I think, and the one that I've been using lately is focused on cards that accrue power over time for various reasons. Um, and they every week I think they switch out like the featured locations, and every location has a different feature. Um, but it's very simple to pick up and play. Um, definitely worth at least checking it out. I I've really enjoyed it so far. And the, the games themselves are short enough that you can... I think the longest a game might run is maybe five minutes... So it's not, like, an intense, you know, thing you have to put a lot of thought in. Just six turns, and the cost for retreating is not terrible, so. What you guys
2: said about deck building is, like, one of my main cruxes for doing... Like, I played a little bit of Magic the Gathering Arena, but I had to look up, like, decks that other people built, because I don't have the brain to put a deck together, so the the fact that it's only 12 cards makes it seem more manageable for a small brain like me.
3: Yeah, no, it, Absolutely. Re- it really is. And you can decide, you know, I that you can have, like, one card that you want to build your uh, deck around. Like, let's say Odin, what his power is is that he activates any card that has an on-reveal ability. If you play him in a location, any card that has an on-reveal ability, they will do that again. Oh, cool. And then there's Onslaught, who will... Uh, double the effect of any ongoing ability card at that location i've seen people who are getting like four thousand points in one location because they play uh one of the locations was onslaught citadel which doubles ongoing effects so you double the double so, yeah so they would play iron man who doubles the score at your location and then they'd play onslaught so you end up like it's like 2 to the 8th power of uh, or something crazy like that <laughs> that they're doing to their score.
2: And then you play Odin there and someone with an ongoing effect.
3: Well, Odin doesn't do anything to ongoing. So there's on-reveal oh, oh. effects, there's ongoing effects, and then there are just effects. Like uh, Angela of Asgard. You play her card, and it's if you play another card at that location, you add plus 2 to her power. Oh, sure. Um, so that one is neither ongoing or on-reveal. So she's not affected by Onslaught or Odin. But it's still a way that you can you play her first and then you just keep adding cards and her power keeps going up. Yeah. Wolfsbane is the opposite. Wolfsbane gets plus two for every card that is already there when you play it.
1: Hmm. Uh,
0: the game's really good. So if you have yeah. had any incl- inclination or if you're just hearing about it now, huge recommend for us. It's a lot of fun.
2: Do yep. you have another thing? Are you, are no. you okay? You just, just tag teaming back on that. Okay, yeah, I am also going to recommend a video game. I think Eduardo keyed into what I was going to recommend when I sort of mentioned it earlier. But if you didn't, my recommendation is the game Limbo. I Thought you were going to say League of Legends.
3: Oh, oh, okay, I see.
2: No, but what if if you if like me, you really liked the visual style of this movie, particularly the shadow the shadow baddies, the black berserkers. Um, those really really reminded me of the game limbo um it's on steam i'm sure it's on other platforms it's, it's an, on switch yeah, as well i've played it there it's an indie game so it's probably really cheap but it is worth it is worth whatever price it's at i'm sure um it is a dark as in it's like shadowy but also it's you know kind of creepy platformer and the platforming is really tight um there's probably a story but it's mostly that you're platforming and you're trying to get away from these shadowy creatures and there are there are a plethora of different ones Um, and there's not much more to say about the game it's a tough platformer with a cool theme that reminds me of the Black Berserkers but it's really fun it doesn't take that long to finish Um, and if you enjoyed that portion of this movie and you like gaming you'll probably enjoy Limbo Um, I go back and that's one of the games in my collection of like short indie games that I'll just go back and play every so often because it's fun to just revisit. It doesn't take very long. And it's still, if you space that game out, it's still challenging enough that you don't breeze through it every time. But you also like, ah, I remember this part. Um, particularly one of the baddies that reminded me is one of the giant shadow spiders, because that's one of the things that you're kind of running away from in the beginning of that game. And, um like it it's in the same bucket as Braid for me. I think I've recommended Braid mm. before, which is also platforming, but the twist is you can time travel.
3: There's some clever puzzles in in limbo as well. It's been a bit since I played yes. it, but I remember it's like, oh how do I get through this in different ways to use the environment?
2: Yeah. So if you like tough platforming, go go get limbo.
0: I think it's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so over at Patreon.com slash Required. Join our patron-exclusive Discord. Listen to our bonus episodes, like our most recent Michigan Chillers episode.
2: Hell yeah. Enjoy the rides. <laughs>
0: Enjoy <laughs> the rides. If you want to email the... Oh, let me give a huge shout-out to our Avengers-level patrons, Brian, Riley, Adrian, and Michael. We really appreciate you guys. If you want to email the show, you can do so. AssemblyRequiredCast at com. Follow the show on Twitter at AssemblyCast. That's going to do it for myself. Oh, no. We want to, uh, instead, we're going to shout out Peaches Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Peaches. Hey. Hey. Oh, you guys aren't
2: shouting out your Twitters anymore?
0: What? Who's? Me? Yeah, you. I'm not going to do just me. You and Robbie. Robbie's not here. I mean, I guess I'll shout out. Robbie's Twitter is PhilKid3. So if you want to... <laughs> yeah, I put,
2: <laughs> I put my Twitch on there because, I mean, it's been around the entire time that we've been podcasting, but there's I, I was taking long break periods from Twitch, but now I've been more regularly there again. Um, so if you want to see my face while I talk, you can do that at twitch.tv slash peaches, and I mostly play um, Kaizo Super Mario World, which... If I just said that, and you go, what the fuck is that? Just come find out. Um, I do other stuff, too, but it's majority very tough Super Mario World games. Anyway, we'll shout that out from now on if that's cool with you. Cool with me.
3: I think it's cool. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for myself, for Chris, for Peaches. We love you, 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior.
2: I had a list of Halloween puns for every Monday. My my small team does like a scrum where we just tell each other what we're doing for the week or more likely what we did previously in the week and uh, well, the previous week. And so I had this list of Halloween puns and I didn't get to say them all because I missed a couple of those meetings. So now I'm going to subject them to you now that I didn't get to say them. what are, what are What is a mummy's favorite genre of music? rap why are werewolves not good at knowing what time it is because they're not called when <laughs> uh did you know that ghosts only know how to speak latin it's the most universally known dead language Why do I remember these? What do you call a werewolf uh, who knows what's going on? Werewolf? A werewolf. A werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I had a skeleton one. The fuck was a skeleton one? Oh. Where do skeletons like to go to have a good time? It doesn't matter as long as it's a hip joint.